Hey, yo, what's good? What's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast. I'm your host, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never. Yo, what DJ up? DJ D Miles. Yes, sir. DJ, no, not a DJ, Jamie the Great. Yeah. And then we have a special guest by way of Miami, really well-known DJ producer. Um, and uh, yo, thanks for stopping by. DJ Conflict in the building. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, no, no clapping, though. <laughs> Either one. You didn't want any clapping. You were like, chill with that. Oh, thanks for joining us, Thanks for coming through, man. Thank you guys Appreciate for having it. me. Yeah, uh, yeah. You flew in early, right? I'm excited. Actually, I flew in um, maybe a day ago. Oh yeah, because yeah, because I was um, what did I do? I did a San Diego, Mexico, Houston run. So instead of going back to Miami, I just decided to come here. So like, I'm cutting down on cross country travel as much as I can now. Okay. Because those like five hour, six hour flights really drain you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have an opportunity to to stay on one side of the country for an extended period of time, I'll take it. Yeah, my brother freaked me out about planes because he's like, there's radiation. So like uh, yeah. the longer you're in planes, like the more radiation you absorb. It's a very small. Really? It's a very small percentage. Yeah. And uh, what I would say is there aren't a lot of flight attendants or pilots dying from cancer all day, so mm-hmm. we're okay. Yeah, they fly so. way more than we do. He's <laughs> kind of like a weirdo about shit like that. Yeah, <laughs> but you're on Instagram Live right now, right? I am. Uh, I'm still on Instagram Live. Yeah, that's, you're like a marketing freak. I am a marketing freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's. We should, get in, we should talk about that. Okay, He's a Gary like, V of DJing with uh, the marketing shit. You, you, yeah. But you're, you're really into like the analytics and the numbers and the logistics of how it all, of marketing, of like social media marketing. At first I was, and then I realized all you have to do is just be real and put out good content, and then mm-hmm. the, the numbers don't matter. But, but you want to be out there as much as possible. Right now, yeah, because I think that there's a whole generation of kids that need to know who we are, and they're not going to come out to the club and, and get it, mm-hmm. but they get it through this medium. So they understand. They'll understand us if we speak their language. Do you ever? Do you ever feel like people are gonna get tired of seeing you and hearing you? If they, they if they do, they can just not watch. Mm-hmm. But but if they want to watch, I want them to have something to watch or hear or see. Mm-hmm. Is it is it more important to you? Because I always think about this with marketing. Is it more important to have as much content as possible, or to have as much? just have a quality of content once in a while. Both. Yeah. I mean, you're not gonna get both though. I, don't think. I, I think you can. You can? Yeah. I, think I, don't, I don't think there's anyone who successfully does both. So I, I, I thought about that. So what do I want to do? Do I want to put out three pictures a day mm-hmm. that are okay or one picture every two or three days that's really good? And I think that both have upsides and downsides. See, like you really think about this shit. Yes. Yeah. I don't really think about it like that. <laughs> I mean, maybe because I don't think about it because I, I had like a retail, like a clothing company. Yeah. And I had to think about that for that company so much. Mm. I didn't want to do that with my DJ shit mm. Mm. Yeah. because it became like annoying. Yeah. So with my DJ shit, I just wanted to be like, like a feeling or like a vibe. Like, Oh, I'll just post this shit. Right. Well, I'll just do this. I could totally see that. So my end is always play for more people in more places. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. So how do I get to that goal? How do Wait, I, what's your goal to play for more people? Mm-hmm. in more places so the more active i can be as a dj the better so you want to do like a festival not necessarily okay nah, i don't think that's mm, not really uh just i guess volume of of nightclubs right so if i'm at every good nightclub playing for a lot of people what is wait what is your goal as a dj as a dj yeah uh, it's fluid so it like it'll it'll. What do you awesome. mean, like liquid money? <laughs> Something. Like <that>. <laughs> <laughs> so liquid money? it's fluid uh, in regards to the, the timing. So if you ask me uh, when I'm DJing, what's my goal as a DJ? 
It's to play really good and make people have a good time. I don't know. What's your what? What is a career goal? Like a career, career goal? goal. What's a career like, high success? Like a highlight? Your finish line? Like if we talk to Vice, he wants to do like probably a festival where the whole world is there. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm not really into festivals just because I feel like they have a. Uh, not a negative connotation, but because of the way that they've been structured recently, festivals to me are just a money grab. Uh, they're not like about the the vibe, the the, the feeling, the the actual customers or, or patrons that go. Are you talking about like an EDM festival, or this is a Mid in America I think, festival? I think, yeah, EDM, I, think it's, EDM. I think it's pretty much known now that festivals are just kind of everywhere. It's like yeah. every weekend right. in the yeah. summer. So long term finish line goal: yeah. be on Ellen. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, I beat you there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I was on Ellen already. All right. Do you think cha- like social media has changed the way you approach DJing? Of course. I mean, it, while you're DJing, too. While I'm DJing? Uh, like you turn on your phone and you're going live or whatever. As long as it doesn't uh, affect what I'm doing to you know a noticeable extent, uh, I will do my best to catalog what's happening. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, because you're pretty good at getting selfies in and doing certain things. Right. So it looks that way just because I've learned to time it properly. Yeah. So, like, I know when I'm, when I'm about to play a Put Your Hand Up record, a Khaled song, all I do mm-hmm. is win, or, or a house breakdown, or I know the confetti's about to go off, or I coordinate because there's going to be a cryo shot, uh, or I know I'm, you know, I'm right at the right time to get the phone out, I will budget a few seconds and have the next song ready, pull out the phone, open it, do what I have to do and then just hit record, hit the picture and then keep going. Yeah. So it's just a matter of a little bit of planning in advance and then um, having a good exit. It's strategy. really cerebral for you, though, right? You really like well, plan yeah. ahead. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> I've heard I've heard I like I listen to your podcast uh, whenever I can or like when I when I have time and stuff and you really get cerebral. And like I remember you were talking about um, there was one when you were talking about the mic. Like doing shit yeah. on the mic, yeah. yeah, early one. And you went as far as to like, and I mean, I think it's this, it's a it's a weird thing that you were like uh, explaining how you EQ your voice, yeah. And I do the same thing where I'll turn down the vo- the bass because I, I probably have a bassier voice than other right. other people, but um, and then like I think you were talking about how you hold like how you position the mic when you talk, sure. and, and it was very it was very like a YouTube cerebral thing, and I feel like your podcast, yeah. It's very, you want to get into, you really want to like, uh, it's, you want to be like, not instruction manual, but you want to be like, education, a how to sure. kind of for DJing. Yeah, definitely. Is that more of the, the, the focus on the podcast? Definitely. Because, and the way you think, I feel like the way you do it, you, you almost wanted, I don't know, like, uh, you're very disciplined. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're setting yourself up with these, uh, yeah. you're very, you're like a very, very, very technical boxer. Sure. Like yeah, that. where does that come from? Uh, I don't know. I know that it, it's it's uh, it's military esque. Yeah. it's almost yeah, military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like like straight lines. I like I like efficiency because I have to work less. So it might yeah. seem like I'm working harder up front, but really what I'm doing is saving myself work on the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to the, what I explain on on my podcast, like talking on the microphone, mm-hmm. you know, and I know a lot of people in this room know how their voice sounds when they talk. So you'll you'll EQ the microphone according to get the best sound possible. Well, right? some people don't, but yeah. Some people yeah. don't. I mean, if you, you, do ha- you have studio knowledge. Sure. I have studio knowledge. Sure. A lot of people don't get it. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't even know, like, when they're about to, like, yell on the mic to move back on the mic. You know what I mean? And certain right. things like that. But I'm, I think it just takes practice. I agree. So 
when I do break these things down, I think it takes a lot of years to know or to figure out how to voice these things. Because mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't explain something I don't know in and out like really, really, really well. And like that is something that we've been doing for so long that I could break it down and explain it in a way that it would be beneficial to an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old DJ that's coming up. Right. So we're working, I think, against the current in regards to uh, the ease of entry to our field. So if we can grow a crop of good DJs, then what we do can stay active longer. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about it. it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. But I, I think <laughs> you're really cerebral about sure. it. I have a question that yeah. I feel like, so sometimes I look into the details yeah. a lot on stuff and, I, and I'm and i super organized. You And I work with Jamie a lot yeah. on this end. Of, yeah. It probably gets to a point where it's annoying, right? No, it's, I mean, I got to learn the disciplinacy of it. I get annoyed like really fucking easily. Okay. Like, like, Joe, you left this cable here? What, but I what, see what? that same kind of, that devotion mm-hmm. to organization, efficiency, and sure. the discipline. And do you get just as frustrated? Uh, no. You don't. No, I don't get. I, I try not to get frustrated. Uh, see, I see. I can see you getting frustrated. Like if someone isn't doesn't have the same respect mm-hmm. for those little things and those things. So like, you know what I'm. T- you know what I'm saying, though, right? It, the only time I think I'll get frustrated is when someone doesn't have respect for what we do. Like the the, the micros. Like where'd you put that cable? Why is this out of place? Uh, when it comes to work, I think that that hinders efficient working. Uh, toward the long run mm-hmm. so if like let's say for example uh you we were here setting up the studio prior to you starting if right before we start recording you're like where's that cable oh my god this is wrong this is over here we got to put this over there it's like your whole vibe's thrown off right for when we actually start working so i think in in the creative space the less frustration you have the better that your creativity can shine through so when it comes to this, no personal life, or like you know maybe uh, if I'm waiting at the DMV for six hours for some bullshit, yeah, yeah. can I curse? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Great. Uh, then yeah, can, I'm, can you curse? <laughs> <laughs> then no, yes. Ellen listens, bro. Don't okay. curse. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but uh, so like, what do you call it? In your experience, we want. What, what were some of the questions that they were talking about? I got. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. Oh, so I actually because I because yeah, I've because I've I've actually talked with certain people. Yeah. And they, they seem sometimes like you're on edge. Oh, like I'm ah, like jumping. Yeah, they are like you're edgy. Okay. Like and 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 I and I kind of attributed that to like maybe it, he wants it to go a certain way. I care. And, and I care has, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I care a lot about what I do and the space that we're in, um, because it's given me everything I have. Mm-hmm. So I feel a duty to try to convey um, the best reflection of myself in that space and and the best representation of. A person that works in that space uh, to the outside world i think um, you know those memes that are like what my parents think i do what my mom what yeah, my yeah, girlfriend yeah, thinks yeah. i do what i really do and like what the world thinks i do so i think that the world is uneducated to what we do to a large extent and a lot of times they get fed misinformation based on popular culture mm-hmm. yeah so the better that we can represent what we do i think the better off we are when we go to argue with a manager when we go to ask for more money when uh, there's a budget being set for a nightclub, we can step up and be like, hey, this is important because X, Y, or Z. And if the first thing they think is some clown shit or a meme, then you're not going to get what you're asking for. Right. So, yeah, I could totally see how people think I'm, I'm edgy. I, I definitely am intense when it comes to certain things. Because, well, I mean, like, when I DJ, and you guys can, you guys can attribute, I mean, yeah, you guys ahead. have seen me, like... <laughs> I'm unapproachable. Yeah. Right. I seem unapproachable. Right. You have asshole I, face? 
I don't, it's not I even. Just, it's, it's like it's don't approach me, shit. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's looking at the mixer. So where people people mixer. get the idea that I could be an asshole, sure, or like they don't want to talk to me, sure, or they might talk to me and I might look at them, but I'm like in the middle of a mix, so I kind of don't really acknowledge it as much yeah. as I should. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I get that all the time. But when I heard it about like from like different people, like yo, that dude, like he just was like real edgy or like oh, you know man. like tough stuff like that. Well, what I, I was, was like, wow. Well, he was probably in the middle of some shit. What I, what I would shit. love yeah. is if somebody who is in, in our industry and potentially a colleague or somebody close by, whether, you know, maybe a promoter or manager, whatever, if it's another DJ, that's cool too. If they think I'm edgy and they want to have a conversation, you know, maybe wait until I look a little less edgy, even though I'm not edgy because <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing what I love and then say, hey, are you okay? Like you seemed a little edgy or is there something wrong or something like that? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if I go to the club, and uh, and I say hello to you, and you look, you know, a little flustered. I'm gonna wait for my opening, be like, "Yo, is everything cool? Are you okay? Is there something? You need? Well, yeah, I have a bunch of people outside, or you know, I didn't have a good day. Whatever the case might be, we can talk about it. Yeah. So if somebody feels a certain way, I would just want them to tell me about it first. <laughs> that doesn't work though. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. That's not how it works though. You know what I mean? I mean, even though you look edgy, you're still having fun, right? But I'm of just course. curious. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm just curious because I've I've heard it. But I also see some of your videos and I hear your podcast. So yeah. I'm like, yo, this dude seems like sometimes we can be a slave to our. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, look, you're absolutely right on the button in this this one space th- that you're being critical, uh, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it's that I don't represent enough fun right. in the brand. I don't either. Yeah. You know, like I have to definitely put out more fun content, more have fun moments because at, at the end of the day, it's a large part of what we do. But do you? I mean, I think you should just be yourself. And if it just comes out that way. Well, but it, it is me too. I, I, I like having fun. The thing is, fun. my version of fun might not be the, the standard. Uh, what is your version of fun? I like to go box, like boxing. That's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to uh, you know, train martial arts. I like to go to the gym. Uh, I like um, shooting. I like competitive shooting. Okay. Uh, I like to go out in nature where I don't have phone reception. Uh, I like smelling uh, mountain air. Like those kind of things are not things that you can quantify into a video and then put out into the world. So my version of fun might not be the best representation uh, of fun as understood by pop culture, I guess. You've been kickboxing for a while, right? I think. Yeah, I actually did the math the other day. It's been a third of my life at this point. Wow. So what? Ten, 10 years? About, yeah, just about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, without, without, without giving away your age? Yeah. 10 years? But uh, like... <laughs> Can I say this? No, just say it. No, nah, hold on. Come so on. when you're DJing, yeah. you're not smiling and stuff like that because I see ah, you DJ. I, I definitely have been trying to push myself to because be I feel when I used to see you yeah. when Darren years back, yeah. you seem more amped up, and mm-hmm. I was more like, really? Yeah. When's the last time you saw me play? Uh, earlier this year. Once I met you. Oh, yeah. That's Where was I it at Hyde? Yeah. Was it one time? This last time, yeah, it was one time. Was there a but lot? I of- seen you before. Yeah. previous times so you've seen me okay like years ago so i don't know if it's like was there a lot of djs no nah, it was just me and Darren. there's always <laughs> a lot of djs when you play yeah so that's the only time that i get real nervous when there's other djs in the booth or really? around me or yeah why why, why is that because you guys are my colleagues so it's like i want to do extra judgmental eh, maybe but i want to do the best that i can in that space because the crowd might the crowd is relatively easy to navigate at this point, right? It's like just play the you know what they want to hear. But you stay focused on the crowd. You don't try to. You don't try to. Uh, uh, you guys are part of the crowd if you're behind me or next to me. You think so? Yeah. I think that's the biggest mistake a DJ could do. Tell me, is uh, f- care about who's in the booth. 
I think unless it's, it's a celebrity. I think it's natural because I kind of whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> time yeah. out. Explain because the manager and the the club owners care about the celebrity that's in the booth. So you got to make that celebrity happy. After okay. that point, the dance uh, floor. Okay. After that point, the dance floor doesn't matter. Okay, you know, it's like if there's a big table with LeBron's there. Like at that point, LeBron is all that matters. Yeah. Uh, so I, why why is it? Why do you think? It's I don't not? think DJs matter at all because no matter what, even me myself, I I'm. I'm going into this room mm-hmm. and I'm seeing what you're going to do to this room mm-hmm. and I'd rather be a fly in the wall. Like, I don't know like about you guys, mm-hmm. but the best part to me when I was starting to DJ would be going into a club, staying in a corner and just listening to the dude for three hours mm-hmm. and how he handled the room. That, yeah. The last thing I wanted is a motherfucker to be like, well, uh, I think Crooked likes 90s shit, so I'm going to start doing like a 90s MOP set. And that's the last <sighs> thing I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to see like if you have a corny, cheesy crowd in front of you. I want to see you play like Mambo Number no. Five and do something crazy on the mic, and I'll be like, "Yo, I would never play that, but that motherfucker just played the shit out it's of like, that, and he killed it." Like one of my friends you know? was at uh, Commonwealth that you did a, yeah. few, a few months ago, I think, like a month ago. He said you killed it and yeah. you were having fun, of course. And I was like, "Fuck, I wish I was there." Yeah. Because you know, well, you should come out. I was working that night too, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that was just like I was like. I think that maybe maybe, maybe it's a better space. Like maybe the night that you saw me play, where you thought it was kind of tight. Uh, maybe something else was going on. Maybe there was people there that I had to take care of. Maybe my focus was shifted in a, in a lot of different uh, areas, so I wasn't yeah. able to like let loose as much as possible. Maybe there was four bottle service presentations. <laughs> maybe there was a couple. Bo- yeah. So yeah. in regards, to I had to play the theme from Batman. Or yeah, some shit. Like that. <laughs> in regards to uh, the whole, I'm not playing for the DJs. Yeah. What I what I do when I have colleagues around, the reason why I get nervous is because I want to sound as tight as possible. Oh, and it's, clean it's as not possible. Ne- and clean as possible. It's not necessarily that I'm like, oh, you know, Darren uh, likes this, D Miles likes this, Crooked likes that. I'm just trying to play uh, as good as I can, mm-hmm. so you know the DJs can. Because look, I want to say that 15 to 20 percent of the bookings that I get are from other DJs. DJs that are like, yo, I want to play with you. Come to my venue. Come to my club. They talk to their general managers. They talk to their bookers. And um, we'll go have dinner. Uh, I'll play the club with them. They talk to me. They might ask questions. We get to play together. And it's a fun experience overall. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's an important part of my formula, my product, to always sound as good as possible. But even more so when there's DJs around. I think I'm at a point where I don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> don't nah. But, I don't why, but why do? Why is that? You mean you don't care about other DJs, or you don't care about DJing? Or impressing? No, I don't. DJs. I don't care. Yeah, Even if I fuck up, I really don't care. Mm. Like if I if it's something sloppy, I'll just laugh. Do you think that that's a problem? Huh? Do you think that's a problem? You know how many kids in a in a ten mile radius would probably like kill somebody for the jobs you get? No, no. I mean, I don't. Doesn't mean I don't care about the job. Okay. I don't care about what impressing another what people, people what, think. What a d- another DJ thinks of my set. Mm, okay, got it. I don't care if they think like, yo, that was really technically dope. Uh, but as long as you you do well with the crowd, yeah, that's all okay. I really care about. Got it. Okay, okay. I really don't care about what they what yeah what they think like. Oh, he's not his scratches were off or this shit or yeah. that and everything like that. Yeah, but I've, I've but heard, I used to. I used yeah. to. I've but heard you play though. I think once once you get uh, to a certain amount of years under your belt, like you have this you have this timing that I think comes with, with being a veteran, that is like inescapable at a certain point. Like you you can't sound bad unless you really tried, because it's so ingrained in you your timings and everything. You might mess up a mix here and there. Mm-hmm. We all do all th- all the time, but your timing that that you have is like the pinnacle of 
uh, DJing, I think. When you pass a certain threshold and everything's just tight, crisp in the pocket, like one song's fading out, the other one's coming in perfectly and it's just mm-hmm. boom yeah. every time. So, Well, you're a veteran, no? Yeah, I, I yeah. guess, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, but yeah, your shit. What, I know what he's what he's saying because your shit is like zero to none sometimes, that you can't even tell. Right, like it just goes in yeah. so fucking smooth. Yeah. Hey yo, pause, <laughs> pause, pause, pause. <laughs> to the naked ear, crooked mistakes. No one ever hear. Yeah, except him. Right, I hear mistakes. Right, yeah. a, a lot of your own mistakes. Yeah, uh, that's, why that's why I that's why I don't sweat it because I hear so hear. many mistakes, mm-hmm. and then I hear other DJs that just. You know the the best DJ. Sometime I hear like they don't follow BPMs at all, mm. and they'll just they'll be on like a hundred, and then they'll just drop like they won't even say anything on the mic to transition it. They'll just drop like Cardi B, Bodak Yellow, seventy, and it'll and I see the crowd like wild the fuck out, and I'm like, the you know, I'm not, not mad at that. The crowd is not paying attention to the mix. Well, I'm not, mm. but just when they hit, time, when they hit the right song, I'm like, yeah. yo, mm. you felt like the energy made that okay, and. I, that sounded okay to me. Like it didn't. Like it did. I obviously, didn't follow the BPM. I I don't know if I technically could have done that. Yeah. Mm. But I was like, you know what? I I I respect that kind of balls too. To just drop some <laughs> shit like that yeah. from the one. Uh, I I I I learn more from a, a really bad DJ than a really good DJ. I'd rather hear a bad DJ. Well, because you might pick up things that you didn't think of because you're a good DJ. You're like, oh, I didn't think about dropping the Bodak Yellow out of nowhere. I don't. No, no. Well, I think a bad DJ is way more entertaining than a good DJ. <laughs> you really did that shit, yo. Huh? Like, he really did that yeah, while wow, he went there's there. like the, the best, most memorable shit. I mean, I can't really well, say that. Well, there's an element of recklessness. Recklessness, and it's just kind and of like, like he, doesn't know, he doesn't know what he's doing, but the <laughs> yeah. chaos. But then there's a beauty in the chaos. You're like, oh my God. He doesn't even know what he just did. But he did it. And I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that little seed. And I'm gonna grow like in uh, like a fucking I don't know like I'm gonna make a whole garden out of that. But yeah, and when you hear a good DJ, I feel like when you hear a good DJ, sometimes they're slave to like old mixes or like Mm. or they're slave to technical. They've been you know like and I I hear it in myself sometimes like I'm like oh my god you're doing this again or you're like yeah you're Mm. doing like you're going into the same habits. Isn't that your creativity telling you hey it's time to switch it up? It is. That's what I was gonna say. I think just just listen. But no, no, no. But then, but then it's sometimes the crowd like, oh, I switched it up. And they they weren't ready. I got you know. And then well, you just got to do what works sometimes. Well, but that's that's a. Um, there's a lot of parallels between uh, I think uh, comedy and DJing, right? So mm-hmm. you you have like uh, a joke, right? You have your joke that you know works every time. The setup, the punchline, ha ha ha, laughs. You get the payoff, right? So you do your joke over and over and over, and then one day you're like, I'm tired of this. I want to try a different one. So you come up with a new joke. You try it one time flat nobody laughs because you just started doing it mm-hmm. so you got to sharpen it up all right let's take these words out let's try this you try it again someone in the back laughs you're like oh okay so this joke might have some legs let me keep pushing so then you keep sharpening that joke until right. it becomes your new joke yeah, yeah and you can discard the old one the same creative uh same creative process i think applies to different mixes so if you find and i find myself sometimes being like oh man i'm doing this shit again so that means next time i'm gonna try something different and the first time it might not work that well but then the second time it'll get better, the third time better, and the mm-hmm. fourth time. And then by the fifth time, that's when people start stealing your shit. And they're like, oh, this is good. I'm going to start doing that. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. fuck, man. I just went through all this trouble to refine this one yeah. thing. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a, I think it's yeah, a very similar process we all go right. through. But I mean, that, that whole thing where you're kind of like dreading or like you're like, oh, I'm doing. Like, it's not even the same mixes. It could be like the same sensibilities of just mm. what you do. Right. And then making the same mistakes sometimes. Like I already know like this room. Mm. Uh, 
like let's say this room i'm there's a there's a club out here that's like really uber top 40 white in the beginning of the night mm. Mm. and then towards after 1 a.m it just becomes like super like like different like it becomes hood like black asian like latino all urban, of a sudden urban, they, urban. urban yeah so it just becomes like super hip-hop mm. but and I know this transition and sometimes, I don't know, I'm just not following the same recipe because I want to be different. Yeah. Because I want to like be creative. I want to be like, oh, let me like go this way and see if they're going to fuck with it. I'm like, oh, they're not going to fuck with it. Of course, they want to hear this shit. So then you start like kind of reworking your set around mm -hmm. that, if that makes any sense. It, yeah. it does. Mm -hmm. but, but I think you're trying to color outside the lines mm -hmm. when you should, in my opinion, of course, uh, change the color that you're using inside the lines. So it's like you can only push a crowd so far like if it's a top 40 crowd i can't play x music whatever it might be for too long because then they're like this is boring stop no no you don't understand this is good just listen that's not gonna work mm -hmm. but i can i can push the boundaries of what they want to hear and then come up with cooler ways of playing shit music that's how yeah. that's how i see it i don't know if that <laughs> i don't know if that's effective i think it sounds good okay <laughs> I think it verbally sounds like sure. a recipe that might work, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, how could I uh, make you a believer? Um, well, I think like uh, we had Zimmy on the show, right? Yeah. And a lot of the shit that he said was amazing, but it's also one of those things where it's really hard to execute a lot of that shit. And it takes a lot of work to execute that shit. Yeah. And it's very easy to, I think, well, it's not easy, but I think having the foresight to know, and to like say these conceptual things and be like, well, this is, you know, like w this is the direction and that takes talent in itself, but there's also a talent to really execute it and get it done right. And I think that's why, like, I don't know. I think, I think as much as we try to be creative, as, as much as we want to be in a creative space, there are DJs that I hear being creative and I think it sounds awful. Mm. I'm like, this is not effective I, I i know exactly what you're saying and i'm just like yo you should have just <laughs> should have just dropped the record <laughs> just drop the record yeah. you're just overdoing what the shit doing too much yeah, you're just doing like, and to me it's like or you're just being way too creative and to me i'm just like there's no need for that it's going look, over people's heads well it's not even that like i'm a dj and i don't care so i know the crowd doesn't give a well, shit that's that's the fine art yeah. isn't it yeah. it's defining that that little space where the djs will go oh that was dope and the crowd still dances and they enjoy what you're doing yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the space that i think a, a real good good dj mm -hmm. needs to occupy as much as they can anyway do you yeah. so how would you describe your your uh your style of djing uh i don't know i like making um people dance i like for people that i'm playing for to have a good time mm-hmm that's it whatever whatever afterwards is bonus well is, I, it a, is a more open format set for you right yeah definitely okay. uh, look uh, when i play in uh boston at whiskey saigon i'm playing 90 percent edm music still because those kids are going to college the whole week and the weekend comes and they don't want to hear shit about homework or or responsibilities mm -hmm. so they're there at 11 11 30 and they want to dance until two with a cutoff and they want to drink and they want to have fun they don't want to think they want to be numb. They want to enjoy the music, enjoy other people. So you go hard, 90% EDM, and maybe a few breaks in between to let them catch their breath. In Houston, I just played there on Sunday. I play 90%, 95% hip-hop. Mm -hmm. So it really just depends on the venue and, and the city that I'm playing in at any given time. Uh, at Hyde tonight, I'm playing open format, uh, which is a mixture between Boston and Houston altogether. Yeah. 
And who were your influences like for DJing? I never had a lot of them. When I, I I've always been late to everything. Mm. So uh, we were talking about where I was born. I was born in Argentina. I came to this country when I was four. My parents immigrated to Miami. Mm. I never had the exposure to classic American music. So the first time I heard Bon Jovi living on a prayer, Mr. Mauricio was playing in Mansion in Miami. I was probably like 21. So that's the first time I ever heard that. And I never pursued classic rock and roll music or 80s music. This is all stuff that I had to learn after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, your original question was, I was who, going somewhere with that. Who, Influences. Who so, so once I actually got to the point of playing nightclubs on a regular basis, I didn't have enough time to go out and catch other DJs. I never like said, oh, I want to try to be like this guy or emulate that guy because I never got the chance to hear them live. And So what made you just become a DJ? You just like, oh, I like music? or I, You didn't I, see like Jazzy Jeff or AM? Or I that? never. I caught AM one time, uh-huh. and I listened to his mixes after he passed. Okay. A lot of them. Um, I uh, was 14 years old, and I had like 100 bucks from a birthday. Mm-hmm. And eBay was just popping at the time. It was like... I don't remember what year it was, but it was still early enough that you didn't want to put your credit card on the internet, but uh, late enough where you could buy shit on the internet. So I got a cashier's check for a hundred bucks and sent it to some dude who sent me a turntable and a mixer and two records. What turntable? Uh Which records? (laughs) It was a Gemini DD50 belt drive turntable. It was a, a, I don't remember the exact mixer, but I know it had a needle readout. If you guys remember the set of LED like lights, it had a needle. Uh-huh. And then uh, the two records were uh, Ja Rule, Hala Hala, and uh, Jizza, Breaker Breaker. <laughs> Wait, what made you want to start DJing? My cousin was into breakdancing, and we would like watch breakdancing videos. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I guess this is cool. Let's see what other things, because I'm not really a dancer. What other shit is in the sphere? <laughs> and it was like DJing. So, so this had to be like in 99, right? Right about there, yeah. Yeah, you know, was like, Nailed it. Say <laughs> <laughs> holla holla, yeah. Javu. Right. Was Mauricio one of your influences? I guess uh, coming up in Miami, so like scoping you as a DJ for sure. Uh, and I only caught him one time for a full set. Mm. When I was like twenty three or twenty four, I went to go listen to him play in the main room because those were my aspirations at the time. I worked the side room and I was like, all right, I'm making X amount of dollars in here. Main room's got to be making this much. College is a joke. Fuck this. I'm out of here. I just got to get in the main room, not a bachelor's degree. So I heard him play one night for about 90 minutes and it was the most flawless, perfect thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, oh man, that's what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Like I got to get to there. Mm-hmm. And that I guess would be one of the um, molding yeah. uh, pieces to my career. But other than that, I can't think of too many. You know, there's other DJs in Miami, like uh, when I would hear DJ Effect talk on the microphone, he would exude this confidence and just audacity that it would be fantastic. Like he was talking to people, almost talking down to them, and they would still cheer. Yeah. You know, it's like if you have $500 in your bank account, I need you to put your hands up right now. And people would be like, yeah. And I'd be like, yo, that's like not that much money. And people are out there like <laughs> putting their hands up. I didn't, I didn't understand it. I was looking at it from a super, uh, I guess, uh, outside of the party mode. Mm-hmm. idea yeah. so like mm-hmm. i'm you know just a regular person on the street like you have 500 dollars on your bank account put your hands up and be like what the, get the fuck out of here what are you talking about <laughs> there's certain things that fly in the club that i didn't understand that these veteran djs uh helped put me onto for sure yeah mm-hmm. would you say that uh, in miami growing up in miami 
uh, is it, it pretty similar to a New York style of DJing? I've been in New York very, very seldomly, but I imagine that it's similar because it's like of the, East Coast. the dynamic yeah. of the crowd. Also, the, the type of music, right? I would say yeah. a lot of right. the Miami dudes have a very close to New York style or East Coast style. Yeah, I would say, Coast. yeah, yeah. But uh, how would you, how would you say like the Miami sound is or like the DJing side of it is? So it's a boot camp because we're open till five in the morning. Uh, and sometimes later if the owner wants to stick around. I think right. the rule is you have to, if, unless you have a 24-hour liquor license, you have to close for one hour, meaning you can't sell liquor for one hour. So clubs will pick 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. to stop selling liquor. Technically, they can stay open, but they're like, no one's spending money. It's tired. You know, it's, it's late. Let's just close. Uh, so what happens in Miami, your question is, how would I describe the style? The, the boot camp that goes on is like, if you're a headliner, you might be playing one to five, one to four. It's like a, it's a very long, stretched out set. So you learn how to uh, budget music. You learn how to hold the hits back. Mm -hmm. You might not play that top hit till 2.30, right. 2.45, yeah. because you need that to carry the momentum to the later hours of the night. If everybody, in my uh, experience, if everyone hears what they came to listen uh, for early, then there's no upside to them staying late. Mm -hmm. They're like, I already got my favorite song, plus that other song I kind of like, I'm out of here. But if you wait and you hold back those energies until the middle of the night, late uh, uh, portion of the night, people will be like, oh, second wind, you know. Um, so the style in Miami is definitely uh, it's dynamic. But at the same time, it's kind of laid back in regards to the energy because you can't go full blast. Uh, and then in regards to the music that gets played, it's everything. I mean, there's nights where you could play 15 minutes of straight reggae. And it works because you might have a small group of uh, island people that might be in the club and they drive the energy for everybody. Mm -hmm. You can play 30 minutes of Spanish music and it's cool because everyone speaks Spanish anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then you can play hip hop, you can play EDM depending on, on the, the night and the club that you're at. So uh, overall, it's a very uh, eclectic space where you can get away with a lot of things as long as you do them the right way. I think Miami was one of the first nightclubs or one of the first club scenes that I went to uh, when I came out of town that you could play extremely hard house mm -hmm. and extremely hard hip-hop. Right. And it was like, to the point where you're like, yo, this is really fucking aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't even get away with this shit in, like, Vegas. But yeah. you could get away with, like, doing Rick Ross, like a Rick Ross set. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. and then doing, like, a hard tribal house set. And it was, like, crazy. But then if, you, if I went back to New York or Vegas... You can't get away with that shit kind of had, it had it, to be a little bit more mild that i think time. it's because people uh they know that they're gonna hear everything because they're they're gonna be there for so long the club's open for such a long time i think that they they would rather listen to things that might not absolutely love rather than hear the same song eight times but don't you think uh like trap music is itself like that hard hip-hop like that 70 bpm really kind of really came out of miami at a certain point that hard ass fucking oh, hip hop Miami or Atlanta yeah. yeah the south yeah but definitely like Miami but, yeah. but, but mixed with that tribal that hard ass house sure that hard ass fucking house it was one of the times when I don't know had to be like probably 2010 ish yeah where it was just like that's the first time I heard like, it was racks like on racks on racks fucking like, hard ass hip hop aggressive yeah. ass hip hop and I'm like well, damn it probably has to do a lot with the musical history of Miami so like it, it, the more recent history you know you got Florida Pitbull uh, Ross and and Things like that yeah, coming out of Miami, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know. And if, if I miss an artist, sorry, but Trick Daddy. Uh, so going back to like the late '80s, mid '80s, Two Live Crew and Uncle Luke, 
those were like groundbreaking moments for the music business in general. Uh, the reason why there's parental advisory labels on on albums and why they can be so profane now is because these guys went to court. Yeah, like Two Live Crew went to court. With, I think they went to the Supreme Court. They right? did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you you take that. So it's like okay, you have the the rough element of hip hop, and then at the same time, Ultra Music Festival starts in Miami as like a drum circle on the beach, and then it becomes like the one of the biggest EDM concerts in the whole world. So you have this this dynamic where on one side you have like the hood shit that like helped all of the stuff that's coming out now be what it is. And on the other side, you have the, the, the beginnings of EDM festivals on a grand scale as we know them. So these things just kind of hover around together in, in the nightclub space. I was very surprised, though, when how accepting they were of hard-ass hip-hop in Miami, <laughs> on South Beach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like at Live or any place like that. I, like they, they were Can't very know. accepting of it because at certain points, I think in Miami, I couldn't even play reggaeton. It, the- was, it was seen as like, I don't know. Like, Hip-hop? No, you couldn't play reggaeton because it was, it was seen as... Lo- lower class. Like, low class. Right. But I think there's, like, a, a, thing, like a Latin, like thing with the Latinos over there. Like, you know what I'm that's saying? Like, changed. So that's changed. So, it depends on the club that you were playing at and the night you were playing at. But uh, this, is a while, this is a while ago. Right. Like, 10 that years too. ago. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But it was, like... I, at that time, I was like, damn, I, I'm playing hard-ass hip-hop, hard-ass fucking house, and I can play, like, I can't play any reggaeton. Yeah. Like, they're not feeling it. It, it feel was that. a weird It's time. not that they weren't feeling it. It's probably that the, the managers or whoever was in charge of the music was like, this brings the wrong element to the club. Yeah. The so wrong, they're like, don't do that. The wrong crowd. Right. Um, so that's changed mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, definitely. It's flipped almost. Uh, it's inverted now. You, <laughs> you might be playing more reggaeton and, and hip-hop music than Almost no house, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's dope. Yeah. I mean, like, past couple times I've been in uh, Miami, like, the past few years, or a couple years, I do, like, a fucking 30-minute reggaeton set or whatever. It's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, it's dope, yeah. Are your bookings more outside of Miami or? Uh, almost entirely outside of Miami. Oh, okay. Why is that? Because uh, local rates don't pay as well as out-of-town rates. Even at, like, Live or, like, uh, the well, bigger I, clubs? I don't really play uh, at Live. Um, for a long time, Miami had this thing. Uh, maybe you, you guys are used to like Vegas. Vegas, I equate it to the Jetsons. Like you guys are 50 years, 60 years of hospitality management, caring for customers, understanding uh, the, the requirements of, of having a successful venue, right? Miami was um, swamp, cocaine, nightclubs in the span of 25, 30 years. So we don't have the experience when it comes to certain things. In Miami for a really long time, it was, if you work here, don't go there. If you work here, you can't work there. And a lot of people would put a, a hold on how you could make your money based on where you would work. Mm-hmm. So um, that was a little bit of a problem for me. And when I saw that a lot of the venue spaces were operating that way, I thought to myself, what else can we do? Right. So I just started working on this out of town thing with my, uh, with my agent, Lewis. Are you saying that you were like kind of getting banned? No, 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 no. I wasn't getting banned, but I just saw some sort of I saw a limitation in the marketplace, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if you worked for one group, you can't work for that group. And they wanted like, you oh, exclusively one, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. But I was like, one yo, club. but both cl- these clubs are dope, and like, I don't work every day, and there's an opening, like, I can't work there. And like, no, you work with us. And I'm like, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ, like, yeah. why, why would you put a limit on the money I can Is make? Is it That's still like, like that? No, it's it's opened up a lot more now. Yeah, there's less club. What happened is South Beach took a big hit, I think, because the Velvet Rope got uh, got in the way. So what I mean by that is like door guys were kind of dicks 
and then the minimums were really high and then the drinks were really expensive and you didn't get in if you were three guys and you didn't have any girls and they'd hit you with a $1,500 minimum for a, for a table, right? Yeah. What that does is it creates a counterculture. So now Wynwood and smaller bars and lounges are what's popping because people are like, oh, I can come in with shorts. Oh, I can buy a $3 beer. I don't have to deal with asshole door guy. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. So like those places are doing volume. And the major nightclubs are slowly, like, not losing clientele, but there aren't as many as there used to be. And it's not as popping as it was because they, they ostracized their, their crowds by being dicks. In my opinion, this is all my opinion, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I saw, the more uh, open that you are to the, the public that's coming to spend money at, at your places, the better off you are. And that's I, why. I, I, I don't know. I kind of disagree. Tell me. A little bit. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I, mean, I think oh. we see it too, like, the bigger nightclub structure is slowly dying well i, I want to go back to what he yeah. said about yeah. uh uh having the limitations of like you know if you work for this group in yeah. miami you can't work for the other i'll tell you very much so las vegas at the time that, that was a, that was time, alive and well we, that, we, we were going through the same we thing. went through okay. the same thing a couple yeah, of yeah. like 10 years ago yeah, yeah. that's about yeah. the time yeah, yeah. maybe yeah maybe it was left. definitely around that yeah. time i With think it, unwritten rule right i think like it, was, it was definitely happening in new york as well you either stayed on one side or you did it i remember having a non-compete for one year in in vegas because i couldn't switch over to like another another club or a group uh but yeah i mean i think that was happening everywhere okay so i think like yeah we were all that but obviously everything's opened up like everyone's everywhere now like right. there's yeah. no no like it's I think it's just the floodgates of like when you had there were less DJs. So when you had that one good DJ, you wanted to hold on to them and you just knew that like I got to hold on to this dude. Now there's like a flood of DJs. So it's like, you know, it doesn't it's like it's like a free for all. It's like oversaturation of the market. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think the the idea of a bottle service nightclub is not relevant now possible to the young generation i think i think the money value is not is not there because i think of social media and i think of because of phones and apps i think there's different ways of getting laid there's more cheaper ways of showing off and flashing than going to a nightclub so i think as soon as uh like if 10 years ago if i wanted to impress a bunch of girls and get laid in the club i would get a bottle and i would get a table now it doesn't really matter if I have half a million followers and I'm broke, <laughs> I can easily get laid because I got half a million followers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, so the, the attraction of me being in a nightclub and spending 1500 for a table, that doesn't make sense to me because I can, you know, there's if, other if ways. If your only end is getting laid, then yeah, it doesn't make that much sense I think anymore. that's almost any reason to go to a nightclub. <laughs> All right, so you got, <laughs> I, I know that, I know people want to dance and celebrating, shit. Yeah. celebrating a birthday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Vegas is a different monster. You're getting yeah. married. Uh, you have a bachelor party, a bachelorette mm-hmm. party. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you have, you came with a convention and you have a corporate card. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different reasons why someone would not hesitate to drop 1500 beyond getting laid that night. Yeah, yeah. Here. Maybe in other markets, it might be a little different. Yeah, you're not yeah. doing that in LA. <laughs> For sure. No one's dropping 15 like in a bottle and press a girl in LA. Oh, yeah, because everything's calm. I think what fucked it up was when they started building these mega clubs and then people stopped going uh, buying a bottle. So then everything became calm tables. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you let the general public know that tables and bottles can get comp they're like we're not fucking paying for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> the second they you you know what I mean? Yeah, like Exactly, yeah. I mean, as I would I like I, I I can't even explain how many girls I know nowadays. I haven't. 
who just go out and then they oh, yeah, just hug on. They do that. Um, what is that? That promoter thing. They go to like the, the free, the comp dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have like the fixed menu. Yeah. And then they like go to like, menu. and then they go to the nightclub and shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we gotta we gotta pause this. Literally pause this shit for our sponsor, which we'll probably lose. At the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> um, DJ City. Who's going to start this shit? Should I start it off? No. No. Why well, you got that, like, I want to fuck you voice? Oh, Jamie, nice. do a little, do a, do a, I want to fuck you. Like, money. you're talking to a chick voice. Hey, this episode of The Road Podcast is <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by DJ City. DJ City is the world's leading record digital record. So you pool. fucked up, Darren. Next, <laughs> yeah. Where we at? Okay, DJ City. DJ City is the world's leading. I said leading digital record pool, baby. Yo, what panties got? Servicing thousands of DJs, and we're all DJs. You know, you know what I'm saying. So check this out, baby. Servicing thousands of DJs across the globe for less than a dollar a day. You can download. Wait, wait, wait! You just lost the sexy shit. I did. Yeah. Right, Bring it back. For less than a dollar a day. It's cheap, baby. Only a dollar a day. <laughs> <laughs> and download exclusive edits, remixes, intros, and other tools to help spice up the bedroom and your DJ sets. Whoa, <laughs> my man. Wait, wait, let me hear another. <laughs> From the beginning? Nah. Uh, the library. The library. Okay. I can't do this shit. Do Come it. on. <laughs> give me some. Pause. <laughs> no, you gotta do it. Come on. Do it. Close li- your eyes. <laughs> he can't right, read. Man. You want me to hold your hand? Their right. <laughs> library's updated. <laughs> Daily. With music direct from the label. So the quality is A1. Just like you, girl. Wait, wait, mm. wait, wait. <laughs> Say, this motherfucker sounds sleepy. <laughs> Say it like you're talking to a chick. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Their library is updated daily with music direct from the label. So you know the quality is going to be just like me, A1. <laughs> oh, <laughs> spicy. Keep going. <laughs> so stop playing the shitty SoundCloud rips. <laughs> nah, do it again. Do it okay. again. So baby, stop playing that shitty SoundCloud rips. And invest in yourself. Ooh, like, invest you, in yourself. like you invest in me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> My man, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sure. go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Come on, it's your turn. <clears throat> All right, let me do this. Hey, yo, so whether you need the latest hip hop, EDM, Espanol remixes, regular remixes, reggaeton remixes, ooh, delicious and puro party. What's the name? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Alex K. Alex Kane, delicious <laughs> remixes. Hey, DJ City has you covered. Mm. Um, talk to them. Yeah, I'm going to talk to them. Just let, you know, let me do my yeah. thing. I just want to talk to them the way I talk to them. You <laughs> I know? you. Show you right. Hey, yo, so you need to head over to djcity.com forward slash digital for more info. We you got, got you. That? We got, got you. you. Turn over. Shit. <laughs> 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 Let's get back into this podcast, man. <laughs> I had a question. When did you first start coming to Vegas? I think you were with Opium Group and they had... What was pre that? That was the first time I visited. Yeah, that was like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And I came maybe twice. Okay. So they had a a club called Preve at the Planet Hollywood. I don't don't know what that is now. Preve, yeah. I'm I'm not sure if it's anything now. I don't think there's anything at Planet Hollywood. Yeah. So that was the first time I came. And then I actually got real lucky with 
the Vegas gig, the Hyde gig, as I did with a lot of other gigs, when Miami was real hot, there, there would be people that came through the city all the time and would drop a business card. Like, yo, I run a club in blah, blah, blah. I'm from this city. I'm from that city. You sound good. Come play music for us. Uh-huh. So I got a business card from somebody at SBE, and they brought me out for a trial at Hyde, and uh, it went well. So then they just started giving me monthlies. Yeah. Was I you with um, which, which group at the time? Yes, at that point I had already established established a relationship with Lewis. Yeah, so the Lewis story is kind of interesting. I was uh, looking for management. Who's, who, wait, who's Lewis? Lewis is uh, the guy that owns the Rich Group. Okay, oh, Lewis, and Rich. that's your management. Yeah. Okay. So I always thought you started that for some reason. Yeah, I thought you. Were. A lot of people do. I, I was just I was there. I was a very helpful player, but it's not my company. So were you the first art, uh, the I first was, DJ on? I wasn't the first one. Um, I thought it was you and Joe that owned it. To be honest, no. Okay. Um, Joe Maz, right? Joe yeah, Maz. Joe Maz. Yeah. No, we don't own it. Um, so he ha- he was helping. Lewis was helping other DJs at the time, but there wasn't anything that really clicked. Mm-hmm. I, I think he needed the right product because he was the right salesman. And then when we got, when we got together, it just it worked out. How did you guys get together? So I was working four or five nights a week locally, and then when they opened up Purvey, there was a DJ swap thing going on with the owners of the club bringing in vegas djs because basically it was like okay we're going to give you djs in vegas but or we're going to play for you in vegas but we also want to play your miami venue so they started bringing in out of town djs and i was like yo i didn't know you could do this i didn't know you could go to another city and play music for people Uh Uh, and when i saw that there was other djs coming to my spot i was like well where are you from i want to go play your venue so i found myself searching for somebody that can put me in out of town clubs at the time there was like three or four different uh, agencies and uh, I looked at all the possibilities, and I ended up uh, mailing, emailing one of them. And it happened to bounce to a Lewis at that agency. And he was like, we're not looking for anything right now. I'll let you know in the future. So I was like, cool. So I continued my search. I even talked to like local promoters, like, yo, I want to get out of the city. Let's do something out of town. MySpace at the time was kind of hot, and I got like my first out-of-town booking through MySpace in Toronto. And I went there, played music fun and all but i was like all right i need to do this more volume so then a few months later lewis at his email messages me and he's like yo uh do you still want to work i was like i'll get back to you because that's what he had done to me so i waited (laughs) i waited a few few weeks after that he sends me another email he's like yo let's let's get together let's work on something and i thought to myself what do i have to lose he's being real persistent obviously there's something there that's driving him so I said, all right, the next person that gives me a contact, I'll filter it to you. You handle it. And then if it works out, we'll start working together. And it happened to be that the next person that came through was from Switzerland. And they were like, yo, come play my club. And I was like, okay, here's my agent. Lewis, handle this. So he handled it. He worked. He brokered the deal. And I actually met Lewis for the first time in person at the airport on the way to Switzerland to play that gig. Wow. And Whoa. Yeah, so uh, I said... Uh, you've never heard me play. He's like, yeah, I hope you don't suck. <laughs> so we went to Switzerland, uh, played music, and he's like, yo, anytime that somebody comes through from now on, just send them to me. And I was getting a business card almost on a daily basis playing in Miami, and I was just filtering them through Lewis, and we built up a contact base and then slowly started expanding. When I didn't have enough availability, we added another DJ to the roster. We, I mean him, it's his company. Uh, and he'd be like, who else can we put on? And I'm like, well, this guy. You know, I was like, uh, helpful, but because I knew if I had a strong team around me that it would be, uh, be an overall benefit to me too. So it was like mm-hmm. selfish, but at the same time helpful. Right. So that's how we got linked up. 
and then just slowly, you know, built contacts that way. And when this was, how long ago did this relationship establish? Probably like six or seven years ago. Okay. I mean, that's crazy. He never heard you before, but he took a chance. Yeah. And booked you a gig. Well, yeah, through my contact. What do your contact get? (laughs) He was getting free money at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had never heard me before, yeah. But uh, he, I think he looked at the upside. He's like, what do I have to lose? This guy plays in Miami. He's... I told him to get me a contact, and a few days later, he already sent one. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, I hope he doesn't suck. Yeah. And even if I did, I'm sure he would have just kept pushing. Yeah. Damn. But, yeah, um, you so, went live earlier before we started. And yeah. funny enough, Lightning Drummer asked, how do I, di- I audition for rich group or talent agencies? Uh, you well, want to answer that? Yeah, I think if you're, if you're going to. Uh, I think that, first of all, that, that question has uh, a complete misconception on <laughs> On yeah. what management is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm no, sure you'll explain. Go, no, but you can go off on no, that. No, go ahead. Well, yeah. The misconception is that uh, you audition for management. Management doesn't necessarily require you to be talented from the first off, right? You, you want to be as good a, a, of whatever you do as you can be, I think, for maybe personal reasons or for market value. But uh, you will not be accepted into an agency unless you can make the money. That's the bottom line. So mm. if you're already working a lot locally, and you're like, yo, I've exhausted my opportunity on a local level. I have a gig four or five times a week. I'm making X amount of dollars. I want to be out of town. I can set up something with another DJ to take my, my spot for me when I'm out. Uh, management agency might look at you and say, okay, even if I can't land him two or three gigs per month, I can take a cut off what he already has. So that's something you're going to have to give up in, uh, in turn for being out of town. So when you give up a piece of your local equity, you're going to get a piece of out-of-town equity. And then you just have to do the math and see if it's worthwhile. But no one's going to pick you up if they have to do all the work for you. If they have to like sell you to other people, then they're going to be like, well, I have 100,000 of you guys. What do I need you for? If you're already making money, generating a buzz, and people know who you are, you're an easier sell to, to an agency. And then they'll take you and then sell you, and then you guys can both make money. But you can't come to the party unless you have cake already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, basically, yeah. the, misconcept, the, the misconception is that the, the management's going to get you gigs. Yeah. And if you don't have gigs already, or if, if you don't have a demand or any kind of demand uh, you know, on the table already, you know, management's just there to make sure, to protect you, number one, and then just to make sure that you know, you're going to get your money, and then just to take your representation to another level. Yeah. Because at a certain point, you don't want to be like talking to the club owners. You know, you want a buffer. It works for some people, though. Yeah. I I mean, some people do it real well. Well, I think I think that you need a buffer. You need to have a relationship with the club owners, but you don't want to be talking to them about your rates and money and like opportunities and stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You want to be like drinking with them, having fun. And then we're like, hey, you know, we we want to resign you for next year. You want to tell them, yeah, you got to talk to Felipe. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> Lewis. Yeah, you gotta talk to Lewis. Like, right. you know, he handles all that shit. You know, like, let's yeah. take a shot. You know, and then yeah. you want to keep that positive relationship. One hundred percent. You, you know, don't want to be the asshole that says that yeah. the equipment was wrong, the hotel room sucked, yeah. the driver was drunk, or he was speeding. Like, all this shit was terrible. You want your agent to do that, so you're always the. the I've nice never. Guy. Wait, wait. What the fuck are you going through with the driver being drunk and speeding? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying if that if that ever comes across. <laughs> You want somebody to do that what's for been, you. What's been happening? Conflicts. What is these? Actually, the reason why I brought that up is because I went to. I played in Mexico. There's no speed limits in Mexico. Oh, there's not. You know, my guy was, really. You know, no, there's not. Listen, my guy was hitting a hundred, and even in an Escalade, he was uncomfortable. Oh shit! The whole way down, and it's like, I did have you two, tell him to chill? Listen, I have two choices at that point. 
right? <laughs> I have two choices. Number one, watch the road and help. Number two, be a bitch and tell them to slow down. Which one do you think I went with? You start uh, watching out B. the road. <laughs> I would tell him to be I'm a going bitch. A. <laughs> Yeah. The whole time. <laughs> Yo, watch out with the text in the right. <laughs> I would have yeah. been a bitch and tell him to slow I know, down. I would have did the same thing. Yeah, he, he was like, Yo, man, slow down. down. I, I didn't go that way. <laughs> uh, we how, got there fast though. A <laughs> hundred, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Uh, so when Rich Group started, you were like the third one or whatever. Yeah, something like where that. You, where you where you guys at now for the roster? Uh, I think there's ten of us. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. just, ten or eleven. Pack. You got a good roster. I it's think a, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Do you have any word to like? Oh, we kind of don't want that guy. Don't. I can care. I can give an opinion. Okay. But I would never give a strong I would opinion. Give, I would, no, no, I would give sure a strong opinion. I would give that opinion to the individual first. Mm. Say, hey, I think you're a weak link because X, Y, or Z. Mm. I think you're still valuable, so but what, maybe you should correct these things. Mm. Did um, did you want to be on uh, like other management groups before Lewis? My end goal was always play for more people at more places. So if um, I didn't want to find myself buried in a, in a management, mm-hmm. like I didn't want to be like, you know, number whatever in line. I wanted to have a direct relationship. I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be uh, basically represented in the same way that I represent myself. So if I work, this hard I want, I want my management to work that hard for me too mm-hmm. so i was just i think the best thing for me was to kind of uh, help grow a small boutique agency rather than join a, an already established giant where like i could do a lot of work but it's not really going to affect that much mm-hmm. because i'm just one person you see that now but before back then before you signed did you already see that yeah. too as well yeah is that because you heard horror stories or you just saw it no i just saw it and also Something that's really guided me and helped me throughout my whole career is if, if somebody's, if, not somebody, but if the whole market is running in one direction, yeah. I don't want to be in line that way. Like, I'm just going to go the other way and just be first and just wait for the tide to turn and people to realize, oh, we're going that way now. And then it's like, I look behind me and now I'm first, mm-hmm. right? So I would always go the opposite of what people were doing at the time. So when everyone was signing on to this management or going that way or playing, <laughs> playing on videos <laughs> when it was serato video yeah. i was like yeah i'm not gonna do any of that i'm just gonna go this way and do was it. serato video that big i think for a while it was really? what, for a year maybe yeah and then we <laughs> so there was that was one of the questions on on instagram live is like do you think uh video djing is dead and the reason why i think it never really took off it never became alive is because if you're in a club you have to stop and look at a tv to get the full effect of video DJing. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the fun in that? Like you, exactly, got your, yeah. you got your friends around you drinking and passing you shots and you're like, no, no, chill, this mix is good and you're watching a TV. It's like, it's like you, you got people yeah. dancing on the dance floor, they're going to stop dancing just to look to see right. what, the, what video is playing. Yeah. Shit. So, yeah you're, so. you're already taking a lot of their senses. Mm-hmm. So their auditory sense is already taken up. Their, their physical sense might be taken up with dancing. Uh, and then, you know, you, they might be a little bit inebriated, so they've been drinking. Now you also want to take their visual sense, and it's like, now you, what are, what are you doing? Yeah. They, they don't have a lot of control over what they're doing at that point. I missed out on a few gigs because I didn't do video. Really? Yeah. Are those places still open? Probably not. Yeah. But I just remember it happened. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the rates weren't bad at all. The rates were pretty good, but it was just like, I don't do video. And they're like, oh, shit, okay, well, we're going to go in another direction. <laughs> we don't do <laughs> And I think even a few spots in Vegas were like considering putting up projectors and like huge LED like 
things for like video, but it it never took off. I remember talking to like certain lighting guys, and they were telling me about it, like yeah. installations that they're. Well, the visual aspect is important, but I don't know to that extent. Yeah. Right. Like artists have visuals. If you have a big screen, you got to put something up on there. Yeah. But you don't have to put every single video in order and make it like dynamic. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I, 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 I kind of I, I think like video DJs is good for like a lounge. I agree. Like I a, agree. Or like That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like a sports you're more bar. Chilling. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Because you're sitting down already. Nightclub, yeah. You kind of want to be looking There's at There's a spot in Mendeley yeah. Bay that does it, and it's still cool. It's like an outdoor lounge. I would love that. Yeah. It's cool for the environment. I actually enjoyed it a lot, but I, I, I didn't pay attention to, like, like the room or girls when like if there was a VJ a VJ is that right? <laughs> VJ. yeah that's what it's called VJ yeah. like a BJ it's like, like a, a it's like a slow pause <laughs> like a very far away yeah, pause yeah, yeah. it's like a borderline pause but yeah when I was when the VJ would be DJing because remember Jet would have uh, Rooney, Rooney G, G yeah and he would uh, Rooney G was this really talented uh, VJ he was good <laughs> yeah and then, but yeah he would be I would be watching him he'd be scratching cutting it up yeah he'd be scratching and I'd be like watching this shit and then I'd look in the crowd and everyone's watching it and nobody's dancing and on no the dance floor no one's dancing so it, was but like it, a, it was like a um, and then the girls would get mad because the guys weren't paying attention to the girls yeah. you know what I mean so it was like an and exhibition was weird. right yeah. yeah and I don't know I think with a guy when the TV is on we just kind of like we start watching it. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> but I, I think, like, it was enjoyable for me. Like, I wouldn't mind sitting down and having, like, a game on and then having that on the side. Yeah. And then watching that shit mm-hmm. with the fellas or whatever. Did you have an adjustment period coming from uh, Miami where, like you said, it was like a slow build versus coming to Vegas and they want energy right away? When I, when I first got here uh, in 2011, 2012, uh, Hyde was relatively new. Uh-huh. So we were closing pretty late. Yeah. It was it was almost like an exact mirror, um, so I, there wasn't a lot of adjustment there. Okay. The more I the more time I spent here, the more I realized that you're almost judged on the first 15 minutes of your set here. Yeah. So like when when a headliner goes on here, it's bang 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 bang, and then after that, there's like a little bit of a drop off, and it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's horrible. Well, that's what I've noticed. I mean, correct me if you think it's right. I, I think it was wrong. It was started by th- this one dude. And everyone started following that because they thought it was the standard. Interesting. But, you know, it's kind of leaked into management. So I, I opened up a club here uh, that wasn't Hyde. I opened up a club in 2015 or 2016. And what I I always strive for are a lot wait, of... Wait, which club? We can bleep it out if you want. Oh, you don't have to bleep it out. Bleep it out. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I opened up that club. Uh, and... Um, one of the notes that I got back was the the top song has to get played in the first like fifteen minutes or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. It's but because of the cry out, no, 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 no. So look, you can do cry out to something else. It doesn't have to be the top song. Plus, you're gonna do cry out to like EDM or trap, right? You're not not gonna. Oh, okay. No, I, I feel like wanted they hear- want it to be a show as soon as you get yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. I understand yeah. that. Yeah, you can. I hit my intro. I hit a build up. I hit a you know a big drop. No, 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 no. But I'm saying is that uh, to the corporate. Mm-hmm. To, to corporate night, the nightclub management. corporate management mm-hmm. to them, the biggest show would be the number one song out. Okay, do you know? I, I I put it this way: like when you deal with a nightclub like that, and you have like, and it's part of this corporate entity of the casino, and they're controlling it. It becomes like um, like the Hollywood, like when you get a script. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have all these corporate motherfuckers from the studio saying, change oh, this. you should change, change this. That, yeah. You should use this actress. And it has nothing to do with the creative aspect <laughs> of the movie. 
yeah. or making the movie better. It's just all about contracts, money, and their instincts of what they think is cool when they have no idea what the fuck is going on. Right. And I feel like that's been going on even more in the nightclub industry now than mm-hmm. ever. Right. Because, yeah. And I think it's the absence of a music director. Oh, man. Can yeah. we get into that one? The, yeah. the marketing yeah. company. I want to finish this, yes. this thing. So you have to play write the down, number one. Write down marketing company. <laughs> so so uh, they wanted me to just like peak the energy when I got on at like 1230. Yeah. 1245. And I'm like, but where, what's the upside? Like, I want to save some of this energy for 115, 130, right. 145. I want to extend this. But th- that's what I think is the problem in micromanaging a professional DJ. When you say, well, this is what has to happen. You know, I, you can't micromanage somebody in that position, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't micromanage the general manager as an owner. Like if, you, if you've picked me as a DJ, there's got to be a trust. Let me go. Yeah. I'm going to do what's best for, for the night to keep my job. Now, give me notes for sure. I want you to do this and do this and do this. Is this work? Yeah. Yeah. I can make that happen inside of what I'm already doing. But when you like push this agenda on a DJ specifically because you envision the best music, then you play. Right, but you you hired us. I, I had a I had a weird experience at that nightclub as well, where like one of the dudes came up to me, the the like executives came up to me. And mm-hmm. He's like, you know that thing you keep hitting, and I'm like, what? And he's like, that horn, and I'm like, yeah. He's like, I really hate air horns, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. And he's like, <laughs> and then he was just like, don't ever play that again. And then I think it was one of those things where, even if you were doing an okay job. They That's wanted. A wrap. They they just want. Even if you were doing your job or if you were doing well, they just want to say something, to to be in control. It's very possible, because that just to me that just seemed like something. Just like it could, yeah. I could have been on the mic. I could have done anything, and he would have just nitpicked anything and been like, "It's very. Possible. It's not enough that the club is going well. I don't want you to do this." I think a lot of the positions that are established inside of nightlife yeah. are not real positions. So maybe that person needed to say something mm-hmm. to keep their job. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm, I'm an important part of this company because I let him know that air horns are not okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I command a salary at this place. Because if not, if you're doing your job the right way, then that guy's not needed. Mm-hmm. Right? So he needs to be needed. So he creates a space for himself. I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely an ego thing. Maybe. It, it definitely an ego yeah. thing. Where. I definitely yeah ego. So music directors are missing in this city, and I think the <laughs> I think the the marketing department uh, in most of these hotels for the nightlife spaces need to revamp, regroup, and relaunch. For the last eight nine years, they've been uh, milking the EDM bubble, putting a big act on a flyer, and then it sells, mm-hmm. right? So there's many 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 nightclubs in this city, but there are not many 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 hard ticket sellers left over. There might be ten, right? Like the I mean, Tiestos, the yeah. Calvin Harris, Chainsmokers, Diplo, Calvin Harris, Diplo, mm-hmm. right? Aoki. So you might have 10, but all that middle tier got cut out. So what happens is we, we all know that the excess DJ booth, the original one, was in the wall because it didn't matter who was playing. Right went by for, the entrance. You went yeah. for the aesthetic. You went because yeah. it was the win. It was excess. It's amazing. It's a beautiful venue, mm-hmm. right? So they got away from that. Not just them, but just the city as, as a whole because people were buying tickets to see these acts now that's not happening anymore we have to create some sort of a uh, a movement from marketing which is why i'm so in tune with marketing for mm-hmm. ourselves because i think that that space is about to open back up for us edm built beautiful stages that we all get to play on for the next 10 years i don't know if that layout of a nightclub works i agree it might just I too think- big 
I know. Well, I I don't think oh, the sorry. DJ being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the the that whole centerpiece DJ thing mm. works because I think it takes away from actually the music. looking at the room. Sure. Enjoy and feeling the vibe of the room but i think only if you have somebody that you're keeping your eyes on like when when i'm djing and people like come up to me and they like dance or they the, very rarely does this happen where they like come up and they're like doing hand motions and doing the yeah. testo thing back i'm like stop go have fun like go don't worry about me like i'm doing what i'm but that's know? the problem with the layout so i was at this club uh actually last week and they have this blue fucking light that points at the dj the whole night <laughs> Never, you know what I'm talking about. I know, yeah. They have this blue light that points at the DJ, mm-hmm. and it's just not. Did there's you, no need for it. Did you to ask be, the, the light guy to turn it down? Well, I did text somebody and I said, you know what? Like, can we turn this light off? And it was just then people just stopped staring at me because mm-hmm. they're waiting for some shit to happen, mm-hmm. and then they're waiting for me to do some shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it, then they just started like looking at each other, looking around, mm-hmm. looking at the lights. And then it's, it became about the music and more about the energy in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that thing that's going on with like looking at the the main DJ and him like telling you what to do or like showing you with his hands. Or, or like, counting down. or Yeah, or pretending to, you know, be, jump around and, and shoot the cryo shit. I, I think there's a platform for that, definitely. Like it's cool. But like, me- uh, remember we were on our way to... um. It, was it Atlantic City? Where the fuck were we going? We were going to. Oh Zoe. no, we was up. It was me. It was me, Neva, and like Kid Conrad, DJ Karma, DJ Q, these Vegas uh, local guys. The Poconos. And we were talking. We were yeah, Poconos. We were making. I was making a slight joke. I said, "Are you the type to stand on the stage and like shoot cryo or like you know interact with the crowd?" They're like, "Yo, definitely. I want to do that." Everyone and said I, it, and I never. <laughs> I didn't understand that. Mm. I didn't like I didn't DJ I didn't start DJing to do that. Right. Like I, to me that's not like if I was in a nightclub and I saw the DJ do that, I'd be like what the fuck is he doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I understand it's like showmanship now. And I and I know it's a part of it and I but I don't see it as showmanship at all. I see it as like an arrogance. I see it as mm. a self-importance of like, you know, like look at me mm-hmm. kind of shit. When DJs, we never wanted to be really looked at like that. Okay. Can I touch on that one? Yes. Pause. Thank you. (laughs) So when DJing started, right, um, they were house parties, small parties, right? Mm -hmm. You played records, right? Funk records, probably. With breaks. Sorry. Yeah. With breaks. uh, And, you know, B-boys, B-girls would dance and people would dance. You'd have a good time, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a DJ from that time frame saw what was happening 10 years later where people were just playing hip-hop or when the mc became the big thing and the dj was his backup be like nah man that's bullshit that's not the way we do things you know what i'm saying so like i understand your concept of uh self-importance arrogance but there might be a crowd in that club that paid money and this is the first time that they get to experience something in vegas and might be the only time that they Mm -hmm. get to save up for this vacation and you spray them with cryo and that's a story that they'll have for the rest of their lives because they're from a small town where they're like, we went to Vegas and this guy got up and he sprayed us with cryo. We were right in the front. It was crazy, right? So you're doing them kind of like a service. You're an entertainment at that point. It's like you're adding to their 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 overall experience. I get it that we're like in, in, in the wall and playing music, but I think the dynamic has changed just like we're not playing just music for backyard parties anymore. Yeah. We're in, we're in big clubs, so we have to kind of adapt, adjust, and maybe evolve just a little bit. You don't have to feel self-important to spray people with cryo. 
it might be kind of fun. Do you I, spray people with cryo? Do I? Yeah. If there's a cryo gun and that's what the club is expecting of me, I will spray people with cryo. I can't, I can't, the, I can't see you doing that for some reason. Yeah, really? I can't. I can't see you yeah. jump on the table and do all that. All right, I'm gonna need help from you guys. <laughs> no, I've, I've no, seen no, you no. spray. I've seen you like do like the um, CO2. The guns. last question for the podcast will be how I can improve. That can, oh, you, can you write not, that one? <laughs> no, and I want I want brutally honest answers. See, uh, uh, wait, what uh, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, to, to get on stage and do that. Well, yeah. I, look, we've been I've been DJing for a while, and some of the most monumental sets and monumental nights of my life had nothing to do with cryo. Mm-hmm. Had nothing to do with the DJ standing on the table. It had everything to do with the people and the music, and whether the the DJ was on the mic and yelling on the mic and putting on a great show. That had nothing to do with him standing on the on the the DJ table. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's self-involved. I think it's putting on a show definitely. But for for I think it became a part of this EDM thing mm. where these guys were not really DJing and they had to fill up <laughs> and they had to, throw they had to fill up time to do something <laughs> with themselves or their hands and dancing got it and do something and it became interactive with what we do. And I, I understand what you mean. Like, hey, we can shoot cryo. Look, I don't need to shoot cryo. Get one of the dancers to shoot cryo. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that. The I, they, let the dancers dance and do their shit. That's dope, though. That might even I, yeah, be, yeah. be cooler. No, that's always happened. That's how it was before. But all of a sudden, these guys were like, we're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. We're EDM okay, guys. This is, there's a six-minute EDM song. Mm-hmm. I'm not really doing anything. I have to. So I got, what am I going to do? Stand here and look at you guys? You're upset with the root. Huh? Of how it how it came about? Yeah, because it, I I'm upset with the root, and I'm also saying that look, I'm not that kind of DJ, so don't make me be that kind of DJ. Don't make me be the be like a corny fucking guy that gets on the, on the table and starts tap dancing for fucking the, the crowd. I get it. When I when I know my job and I can get them amped up. Look, if I gotta stand on the stage to get people amped up, something's wrong with that. You know what I mean? I understand like, what you're saying. You feel me? Yeah. Like, my job is to get the music popping. Yeah. So if, if I need to stand on a fucking stage and pour tequila down motherfuckers' mouths and shit, that's fine. But if that's what you need to do, then, okay. I mean, I to me, to me, I, I, and I think that that's a lot. Look, l- l- listen to me. If, if I was an amazing <laughs> DJ, if I was an amazing DJ, right? Which you, you are an amazing no, DJ. No, no, no. Well, if, if I'm like a, a phenomenal DJ. Okay. And I'm getting on the stage in the cryo, and then I'm pouring tequila down everyone's motherfucking necks, and I'm going nuts like that, like a Stevie Oki, and DJing and scratching and doing all at the same time. I'd have a heart attack at the end of the night. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And, and, and I'll be really honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm scared. If, I might bust my ass. Yeah, getting on top you're not, of that you're not coordinating if I'm, enough. No, no. Too. If I'm getting like 20 grand a night, you best believe I'm hiring motherfuckers to do that shit, or I'm doing it myself and I'm having backup with me, right? Mm-hmm. But if <laughs> I'm making a certain amount of money, you best believe the music is gonna be good enough, and all of that other shit that you aren't paying me for, y'all need to pay for that shit. Right. Okay. And I guarantee you there are DJs that do it and they do it well. They hold the room down. But as I will be honest with you, 80 to 90% of the time when I see a DJ get on stage, I just I don't take him seriously. And it's not backed up by anything good musically, technically, creatively in their DJs. Maybe you can be the first. No. So if no. you want to I don't need to be if, if you that's want. my thing. It's not that's not 
attractive to me. It's not necessary. It's corny. I like seeing the DJ make the crowd have an orgasm on the dance floor and then having and then looking at him and him looking like effortless. it's effortless. Like it's just like, yo, this is nothing. This like I'm like I'm oh, yeah, I got wild I'm washing, that. I'm washing what, uh, dishes right now. That's what AM you know what I mean? That's what AM was great AM, at. AM just having a cigarette in his in one hand transforming crazy yeah. shit. Kid Capri working his ass off on the mic, scratching, switching records, mm-hmm. like controlling the crowd without having to stand the fuck up. But give a speech. Where we're talking, Las know. Vegas. Welcome to Las Vegas. Like, hey, get a fucking host. <laughs> I to feel. Do that. I feel like you're you're extending this one moment for a long time because standing up and spraying people with cryo is only about thirty seconds. Not, I think if you want to do that, that's that's fine. I think that's fine. I think that's the EDM format that is spilled into other areas of DJ. It's an open format. It's an open format, and so like, it's not expected, but it seems to be like the go-to, mm. even if you're not doing EDM. And that's where it kind of gets weird. When I see like other dudes that aren't EDM DJs doing it. Well, my thing is that who told you that you need to do that? An EDM dude? Like who the fuck told you to do that? Like, that why became is that necessary? the norm or the standard because we saw them doing it. And so they're like, oh, that might be what works. Like I'll be yeah. a slave. I'll be a slave to the crowd. I'll be a whore for the nightclub. I'll be a yeah. whore for the crowd. I'm not going to fucking stand on the stage yeah. and, and dance around. Unless, and then, unless and they're paying shit. 20 racks. Unless huh? it's 25 unless racks. It's 20. You can get crooked. No, no, no. Because to me, if I'm, if you look. If you want to put on a show, let's put on a show. Mm-hmm. Me standing up on a fucking stage, right? This like out of shape Korean dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> like fall over. It doesn't make sense to me. That's not a show to me. Do you know what I mean? I could clearly do whatever the fuck I'm doing from behind the the turntables. I don't need to stand on the fucking thing. Yeah. So at some point in my head, psychologically, I say I want to be the star. I need to be in front of these people. I got. I'm taking advantage of this. I've never been in the crowd. Like, yo, I'm amped up. I'm feeling myself. I get on the table and I get it. <laughs> Anytime I've seen a motherfucker do that, I'm like, what are you doing? Oh my God. Maybe this is going to be good. Oh no, it wasn't. Do you, do you this in- is really do you bad. In- do you introduce? <laughs> Am I wrong? Every time I see it, I'm like, oh my God, this is really bad. What do you, you introduce yourself? Like when you play out of town or when you, when you play in town, will you, uh, when you're getting on yeah. as a headliner, do you introduce yourself? You grab the mic, it might be like, what up, you know, Vegas or whatever. I city. don't, but I, I've seen that work and I, th- okay. I think it's good. So your only problem is standing up higher. Huh? Your only problem with that is standing up higher. I know. I think that I think there's an, uh, the nerve to stand up there. So if I do it from the booth and I'm like, what's up, Vegas? Conflict from Miami. I'm here to party, blah, blah, blah. That's, That's okay. Yeah. And then who starts the song? I mean, I do. You have to but bend down. Stand, you no, no, no. I'm saying, no, he said behind if, the turntable. If, if I'm in the booth, it's yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's okay? Yeah. I've, I've done that. I do right. that. Right. No, no, no. That's fine. You're doing your job. Okay. I think. So what if I have a pre-made track that has a 30-second pre-roll, and mm-hmm. I know it goes into a buildup, and, yeah. and I drop it, and I get up on stage, and I'm like, hey, what up? It's Conflict from Miami. I'm here to party. And then okay. it goes into it. So my thing is, what have you become now? You've, you've made, you become like an MC or a host or... For 30 seconds, that doesn't define the entirety of the night. I think it does. I think, think it says, it I think it says a lot for someone to make a pre-mix of something so they could stand up in front of people just to stand up in front of people. Mm. Uh, he's saying a track that may just have a 30, not, maybe not a pre-mix. It doesn't matter to me. Like to me, up, like I up. think like I'll have a track and I'll do, the, I'll do the one thing, but let me do that so I could musically do something else or do something on the mic. I get it. For me to say, well, I want to stand in front of these people and introduce myself to them. Like, why? Yeah. Because then it becomes like, well, I want them to remember me. Okay, they're going to remember you if you do like a dope fucking thing. We, yeah, I agree with you. So for me, people who do that overcompensate for something that Ooh. they're not 
providing musically or technically to me. Yeah. That's what I think. But, okay. And I would say 90% of the time that I've seen it done, I'm pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the 10%? I don't know. Okay. I mean, like, yeah. yo, Little John, mm-hmm. Little John, by all means, stand on that fucking table and do and put on a show because you are the front man for this. Right. When I, I no offense to Little John, much respect to Little John, I'm not necessarily seeing Little John to be like wow he's really going to take it to another level on a creative like musical level i think he's going to put on a show he's going to play his hits and he's going to do and he's going to you know make the energy dope but him the personality itself is the star of that it's he's, not the he's music a good itself. dj too i mean from, I've, he's, I've a heard him DJ. he's a solid he's dj he's a solid sure. dj yeah i'm not taking anything away from that yeah. all i'm saying is that if i'm going to see little john i'm going there to see you little john, him to jump right. on the table. you feel me so by all means that is i'm seeing a personality i'm there to see a personality now if i don't know who's like a a technical dj and let's say there any technical dj out there that i want to see or who i know is like dope like a scooter look um i would say four color zach yeah four, four color zach scooter you know what i'm saying if they feel in the moment that they want to stand on the fucking stage and do what they want to do by all means do it i think those guys can get away with it and make it work but mm-hmm. I would say most of the time, ninety percent of the time, the dudes that get on the stage are trying to just showboat, mm, okay. or over, overcompensate for themselves. Yeah. That makes sense. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So if you're a good DJ, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I think I think if it's in the sake of the energy, and you're like, "Dude, this is going to another level," and I'm yo, the I'm going to stand moment. on the stage or like do something crazy, like some Travis Scott jumping into the crowd, where like, "Yo, bring him." But when it's you. something like when it's something like, "Yo, all the other dudes do this, so I'm going to do it." It's expected, or I'm gonna try to act like I'm like a big DJ, and I'm like, and I'm and I'm standing on the stage, or my guy has the photo, like the camera behind me. He's gonna take that photograph of me standing on the stage in front of the on the front of the crowd, and then all you get is that picture. And then when I see you live, you're trash. So it's you almost the equivalent, false advertising. It's almost or, the equivalent to like they're not getting a they're rapper. Not, they're not yeah, they're not doing that for that's that. not like we the antics is what's moving. They're not the show, doing that to not, help the room. You're like a dope yeah. MC. You know how what many mean? pictures I mean, how many pictures do you need of yourself with a with a room popping the fuck off with cryo shooting? Look at a DJ that has twenty thousand of those pictures. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is, uh, how many pictures? I don't know. I mean, how many pictures do you really need? That's what I'm right? saying, yeah. but I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is, there might be a form of communication in those pictures. So there, there's been clubs that contacted me based on the pictures on my Instagram page. Damn, that's a wrap, like nothing else. They never heard. Yeah, but you're a good DJ. Yeah, yeah, but that's <laughs> good. they got lucky. I'm sure that. So what I'm getting at is, it's communication. Social media is communication to the outward world. No, you, no, no. Social media now is, is a con. Okay, I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's the communication it's, still. But it's 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 you it's might be sending the wrong signal. No, it's always the wrong signal. I would say ninety percent of all social media is the wrong signal. Okay. I think it's all con. I'm, and you guys say I'm wrong. I'm not going to disagree just, with you. I would say the more of um, a dude is focused on his social media, and the more sp- spectacular his social media looks, the worse he is as a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Is well, it a con or is it perception? Huh? Is it a con or perception or both? It, it's a con. It's, yeah. it, it used to be back in the day. Look, all right. It used to be back in the day, maybe like five or so years ago, right? If I saw you in that room, that dude earned it. He's killing that room. Oh, shit. That motherfucker, like, but, and, you know, he got on the fucking 
yo, he got on the stage or he got on his turntable, he got on the tables and he like, yo, he fucking got the crowd amp. Now it's like the dudes that didn't earn that right that saw you and like, I want that one picture. Mm-hmm. And if I have that one picture, that kind of like solidifies my status in the DJ world or in this industry. And that's what it's become where it's become the standard of like, I need that picture. I need, to, I need that status symbol. But then when you see them live, you're like, yo, this is... Talent is no longer a driving force in bookings. That's where you're getting at. Well, no, no, no. I, I mean, you could say that. Mm. I'm just talking about motherfuckers standing on the table. Yeah, there's, it's, 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 it's easier to fake it uh, yeah. now uh, for sure, uh, which is why uh, I have this whole um, emphasis on marketing. Because I want to be different. I want to be a good DJ that still focuses on that kind of shit. I want to be the exception to the rule as much as I can be. I think it's, for me, it's hard, pause, to, uh, I mean, you can guys you call should, it you on yourself. I don't know the rules. Yeah, you, you, have you, you have to. You have to do that, man. Yeah. I ain't doing that sounds crazy. You uh, gotta go. Okay. I mean, you guys should speak on this, man. Because I want to know the pressures that y'all feel about social media. For example, uh, yesterday or the day, or a couple days ago. Um, there was that horrific tragedy that happened in Vegas, right? The shooting. That was yesterday. Well, yeah, yeah. The one year anniversary. And then the, everyone was posting Vegas stronger. Everyone was on Instagram posting Vegas stronger. Strong. And strong. a motherfucker came up to me and he said, yo, should we be posting this shit? And I said, you don't have to. Like, it doesn't change anything except for the fact that you feel compelled to do it because everyone's doing it right now. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that it doesn't touch you less or more. It just means that someone, more people are posting it probably because they feel guilty or they feel like they're not a part of something. Or just to feel important. Or no, I don't even think it's to feel important. I feel like they feel bad because they haven't said something about it or they don't, it's not relatable to, you know, to them. So they feel a need to be like, you know, yeah. they think that's making a difference and it's really not. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I didn't... I saw it and I didn't feel compelled, but it doesn't mean I didn't feel any less bad for the victims or the people that were a part nah. of it. They might have known someone a part of it. Of course not. I felt horrible when it happened, you know what I mean? But I didn't feel the need to post and be a part of the movement. But, you know, my heart still goes out to those people nonetheless. So, you know so, I mean? so for me, Instagram, social media, Twitter, Twitter's a little bit different. But, I mean, uh, like social media in general, I don't think posting content marketing of me djing right now to me is essential and it may, it may help my bookings more if i did it more but at the same time i think my reputation and what i what should be more important is the quality of what i put out hence this podcast so for me set you know posting pictures of myself in a nightclub with cryo or standing on top of a stage that may be something that someone needs to solidify their status in the industry i'd rather be like yo why don't we do this podcast and and push another form of content out there that actually has some type of content into there yeah and that's not a con like it's by all means real but if you were to put out those pictures it wouldn't be a con either it would be to me for me myself because i don't i'm not impressed by that and i find it when everyone's doing like you said before when everyone's doing it yeah you're like I it, I lose interest in it because then I become then I become like one of the the sheep to me yeah. and that like 
I would stand up. I would have fun. I would do all of this shit. But once EDM dudes do that and these mm-hmm. these trash DJs do that, it ruins the experience for me because then it's like, why are y'all standing up there? Because yeah. you have to. Like, if you have to do that, then I don't have to do that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's, and to me, that's my marketing is that if you're going to do that, I'm going to do something you guys can't do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do something exactly you guys can't do. I'm going to do no marketing and my schedule is going to stay steady. Yeah. So how is that possible that I do almost no marketing yet my schedule stays steady? I don't know. Tell us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and one of them could just be to be like a very reliable and solid DJ and perform, give you 110%. It doesn't always have to be documented, but when it is documented, you know, you show a little humility and you show a little, you floss a little bit at the same time. Yeah. Can I, I think what he said earlier about speaking a language that maybe the younger generation doesn't really for instance like let's say like when j coke first came out his his first album was very commercial right yeah yeah and so then because of that commercial success he went a different direction after the commercial <clears throat> success to do his own thing so he like that was his introduction just doing the commercial thing so he spoke the language of people that were listening to commercial hip-hop mm-hmm. and then he went a different way and so i think that's what he was saying a little bit like you might want to speak the language and then once they understand you mm-hmm. then you can go your way a little bit more that is and exactly can, what i meant it's like you're trying oh, to get your foot in the door right once you get in there you right. could do what you could do you right. yeah and i think that's what conflict was kind of like getting at. And well I, see i, I, I see it another way <laughs> i see it that j cole was lost really and he was doing what he thought was expected of him no nope. wait wait wait, wait. no nope. i the, agree with you already i'll, I'll battle you on i already that agree with you so, I think when no 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 when when that when I heard that first J Cole album right uh-huh. I feel like he thought he needed certain songs he needed cer- a certain sound and he needed to rap a certain well not rap a certain way but to address and have certain certain topics with he that had to first do the album commercial. yeah yeah he had to get, but but my thing is I don't think he was lost. You, no 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 I think he was lost because no. he dude you know. You know, is it possible the record label said put this on there or it's not going out? Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. He had to do that. But that's a sense. It was he was lost because why did he feel so troubled in Force? Uh, what is it? Force Drive? Oh, twenty fourteen Force Hills Drive. Yeah. Force Hills Drive. Because maybe yeah. there was a, definitely a troubledness where he was lost, and he explained how lost he was. Yeah, that because he, the label wanted the mon- that, that. It wasn't the label. It was money. It was everything that you think is success when you realize it's not success. No, he he said that that the label wanted the commercial that uh, yeah. Jay Z would be like, "Now nah, this ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it. This ain't it." And then he brought out work workout, and then it was like, "All right, cool. This is cool for the radio." Whoop de whoop. And then he st- he still sold out in the first week for that first album. But, but he, I don't think he was lost. I think he was pressured to do something he didn't want to because. The previous two mixtapes were so defined on what he wanted to do. That's why Forest Hill Drives, and that's why um, some of these later albums are more so like the mixtape. I shit. feel like that's with every new artist that comes yeah. out with their first album. But they, it is he was lost. He was stuck in the, the money was there, and he was stuck in the money. He talked about cheating on his girl, not being there for his moms. Yeah, only caring about himself. So there was a sense of just like being lost. Yeah, and thinking this is what's important. This is what success is. Yeah. Obviously, he had to do what he had to do for the label, but he was lost. And but, why do you think he had so much? Why do you think like he he um? I wouldn't say he had a breakdown, but he had like he did have like a breakdown. Yeah, why do you think that is? Yeah. But in I think w- the pressure got in the him. in the midst of that, 
he was able to reach an audience through the language right. that he was speaking. And then they followed him when he went a different direction uh-huh. because they were able to listen to him and be like, okay, we understand your change. We understand what direction you're going in. Even mm-hmm. though you came out with commercial, they could have looked mm-hmm. at him as fake. Like if he would have did some commercial shit and went a different way, of a different way, it doesn't work for everybody. But his authenticity made it work for him. So we we talk about the evolution of DJing. We talk about J Cole and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Ultimately, what is the evolution of a DJ? Right, DJs. We started working for nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Right, promoters would hire, have their own parties, and they would they would bring in DJs and blah 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 blah. The evolution of whatever DJ is to me, and I'm seeing it in other DJs, is them creating their own sound and parties and gathering their own people and nightclubs not being a part of that at a all. factor at all. And that's why nightclubs are suffering right now. Because in the end, with social media, you don't need the engagement right with, with a nightclub or the marketing from a nightclub if you start in a small hole in the wall and you build that following and then through social media, it's documented. Everyone wants to go to that and yeah. experience what that is. The, that's a lot of data. And to me, that's the that's what these you know, like, young DJs are actually doing. I think that's the future of these young DJs. And I, I've been, I talked to a, a couple of them a few weeks ago, and I said, if you want to pop off, and they even admit it. They're like, I don't think my goal is to be in a Vegas nightclub. And I'm like, yo, you're right. And I said, you're right. And the fact that you say that right now is really interesting to me. And I think you need to start a party in your local city with another dude and fucking murder that shit, be the biggest thing ever, and then you set your rates and where you want to go, you fucking hire the right people and create the own venues that you want to do. That's good advice. Have you thought about doing your own party conflict? Uh, <clears throat> no. Uh, to touch on one, what D-Miles was saying actually gave me a lot of uh, uh, mental inspiration here. So... Um, the reason why I don't want to do my own parties is because I'm not like a super social, like let's go party person. Uh, Introvert. What, when I'm, yeah, for the most part. When I'm DJing, I don't really drink. Unless an owner or a big client sends over a drink, I'm not really into drinking. I lose my motor skills real quick because I'm not a drinker. So I have one shot and I'm already feeling a little woozy. So I, I tend to not drink. So I'm not like that party guy. So mm-hmm. doing my own parties wouldn't make sense because that's not me. What I think that I'm, I'm chasing right now with the the marketing and the social media is this. There's this many people on earth, I'm making a very small circle, that care about what we do as DJs, mm-hmm. right? The technical stuff, the the progression, talking on the mic, making everything flawless, the timing. This many people on earth, right? They fit in here. Very few. There's a whole lot of other people out there that are interested in other things. I want to get their attention. So how do I get their attention? I already have DJs that think I'm good. I have club owners that trust me. I have nightclubs that uh, book me on a regular basis. I've got all that. I mean, we have all that, right? Mm-hmm. How do we get more? How do we expand outward? You got to get the attention of people that don't care about what we do. And that might be a picture of you spraying cryo. That might be a crowd putting their hands up and they're like, what is this? Who mm-hmm. is this guy? Yeah. So now if you get somebody that doesn't care about what you do into your space, you might be able to convert a fan the right way into what we do. As a good DJ, as, a, as a, a technician, as somebody that understands how nightclub flow should go, now you've got a good one on your side that didn't care about the space before. So when he goes and he watches some monkey dance, tap dance with a cryo gun and suck, uh-huh. he's like, that's trash. And now you have another uh, soldier on your, in your army that's here to back up what we do the right way. Uh, Tell me why that's wrong. 
I don't. I don't <laughs> agree. I don't agree. I already think uh, this may this this could just be me, but I I believe that the the DJ with the cryo gun or the DJ in front of the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. Unless I have a direct relationship with that DJ or an interest already involved, I don't. I think that's an oversaturated image. Okay. I think that's like uh, a predictable image. And I think it's an insecure image. I think, I real, think it's, real Housewives of Orange County, Real Housewives of Dallas, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Real Housewives of... Anywhere. How come they have so many different cities? Because oversaturation when it comes to what people are looking for doesn't care. They don't, it doesn't matter. So if, if, even if you are, I think, the 13,000th well, I mean, DJ... I, I, well, there's a difference. We, we were bringing Orange County, the, all of these housewives. It's, okay. it's a train wreck. Everyone <laughs> wants to watch a train wreck. You <laughs> know what I mean? Right. It, it's the, the, the difference. I think for us... It's really about, to me, like, for example, I was talking with one of my homies. They're like, all right, let's, what do we do for marketing? What kind of video? And I'm like, he was talking about this video. I'm going to hire this dude and do this dude and make this video. And I said, I don't, I don't think I want to watch something like that because it's too controlled. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah, but you're different. You're, you're you're in the business. You're well, no, here. Well, no, no, no. But I I think I can I know what a consumer or a regular person can see because of social media. It's not when we see something controlled or edited, especially younger kids. They're like, this isn't real. They they can know it's like controlled and edited, and this was formulated. For me, I said, if you're gonna do a video, do a live thirty second video of you fucking DJing. And from beginning to end, don't even do this like this walking story into the, this story of flying into the, the thing and waitresses pouring bottles and shaking hands and, and all of this stuff and, and everything like they that. want to see the reaction. I say just, just literally have a live second, uh, like a one minute, 45 second live set of just 45 seconds. That to me is more impactful. And I'll be like, holy shit, that 45 seconds like on the mic. Da, 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 boom, 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 scratchy, scratching or whatever, boom, 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 crowd's going crazy. And having that camera dude just circle around, having it live. I yeah. think that to me is more impactful. Who is the video for? Because the audience is going to be the most important uh, piece of that. Like, who you're filming that video for is uh, how you dictate, uh, you know, how you shoot it. If, I, if, I, if, I'm a, if I'm a nightclub and I see that 45 second video, that's more impactful to me of that live video than than a picture or the other, I don't know, like the, you know, like the... The standard, hi, I'm landing, say hello, this is my hotel, going to the club, I'm having a dinner. Star, I'm a superstar yeah, yeah. DJ, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm... But in, that's, that's, you know. that's, I think, in, in your head. That's, you're, you're filtering the video through your head where maybe 30 bookers throughout the country that book for clubs might see a video and go, oh, yes, I understand this message. He, look, he flies on a plane and lands and, and shakes hands with everybody. That's the kind of guy I want at my place. It might be a different dynamic for someone else that watches it. I don't know. Even, even <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how many? Bo- I understand your side. Yeah. I understand your how side. How many bookers? I mean, run it by some. Bookers. I understand your side. I just don't agree with it. Okay. I don't. I don't. Uh, I would like to run that by some bookers. Run it by or some like bookers. Some promoters. How do what, how they view that? Just pick out two samples of videos that are out there, and one that's like what he doesn't like, and one that is like he's explaining, and then be like, which one are you more uh, compulsed to 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 book here? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I would say the live video when you're seeing the dude rock like live instead of like this fixed joint that anyone can do. Like anyone with no talent can make that video. Yeah. Uh, can you guys give me some advice on how to loosen up and um, be better at the deficiencies that you see in the brand product or human? 
Of you, who? Of, of me. You? Of, of you? Me. Yes. We can start uh, over there if you. I don't know. I mean, just whatever you see. I think you are who you are. Yeah. No, 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 no. But listen, you, I actually. That's just you. Look, yes, but you can. Me can always get better. Yeah. So if somebody True. says, "Hey, what you're doing is not healthy," eating hot dogs all day. I don't think, I don't think you can get any change. better. <laughs> I think oh, you're. I, I think, think you need to change. I think you are. You are. You're a great you, marketing. At your de- for your DJ, you're fucking phenomenal. Marketing. Thank you. Now tell me, human. Uh, <laughs> sometimes your videos are just like I'm like, why? Okay. No, I'll no. Be, t- so tell me the, mini- the Minneapolis. I don't one. relate to your shit. Okay. I don't I relate can't, to yeah, your yeah, I don't relate to it. Uh, like the one you did a while back that I laughed, but I, I got the the vision for it was when you showed up to the club and you're like, I already envisioned the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then before you saw this, yeah, I saw, yeah, yeah. I was just like, ah, that wasn't for you. That was not for Mm-mm. me. I don't know if the like the the, the public will understand that, Mm-mm. but I see what you were doing. That's for club bookers and club owners. Yeah, you did all oh, that extra shit. You flew in early or whatever. Um, Tell me about the Minneapolis. The Minneapolis one. one I was just like, damn, you being I like that video. Crazy. You're like, <laughs> yo, don't ask for the sweet because I got it. I was like, oh. You. But here's the question. <laughs> yeah, so, wait, hold on. Let me let me answer yeah. that one first. I land in Minneapolis. The hotel's oversold. They don't have any rooms. Okay. There was there was a problem with the room I was in. There was a hole in the wall. Because there was a leak. They okay. can't sell that room because whoever's paying for it um, would be like, there's a hole in the wall. Why am I getting this room? Mm-hmm. You know, so that room was out of commission for the day. So I thought to myself, how do I make this fun? So I said, this is my suite from now on. No one can get this. If you come play at Minneapolis, you can't stay here. This is the conflict suite. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm maybe touching a little bit on the roots of hip hop where it's like, I'm the shit and you guys aren't. Yeah. The reality was I was staying in a room that was not open to the public because they couldn't stay because it was flooded and there was a hole in the wall. So the real see, thing... See, I think that's a better story. Yeah. <laughs> I see. You didn't show, I them, you didn't show I can't, the... I can't, I can't let that go on social media. I'm staying no, at the hotel. No, you can't. How? You can. so, I, so I'm going to put out the hotel and show them the hole in the wall and be like, hey, guys, check this shit don't out. Don't say it's... Or yeah. don't say it's the. Just be like, I have mad You're going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> I know. This like... I imagine like, yo, I just came to Minneapolis. It was a four-hour flight, mm-hmm. and I couldn't wait to get to my room. And then look at this fucking shit that's going on in my fucking room. Thank you, Minneapolis. I can't wait to be at the show, blah, 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 But blah, it's blah, a suite. I get it. And eating the apple, it. I was that, like, it's to me, funny. I would have been laughing. And yeah. But what, what happens is I think. Tell me. Uh, you came off as, I couldn't, I didn't know if you were serious or joking. Good. Then yeah. I'm a good actor. Now you know I was joking. <laughs> but no, no, no. Like I, 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 you were I, knew you were I knew you were joking. Okay. I knew you were joking. But uh, so, so what upset you? About no, no. It doesn't. It's not uppsetting. Okay. Um, I thought it was. I actually loved the video. Yeah, I actually it was, sent it to these guys. Said you gotta check this out. Yeah, this guy's was, being a total asshole. Good. Yeah, on IG. Like, so yeah, more, more of fun. that. Got it. Yeah. yeah. But learn, learn. You gotta deliver the punchline, the funniness. Because I, I, I didn't get it to the end, and I was like, what if somebody just stopped there because you were being so cocky about it do you wait wait that's a good do people think do ever people think you're like extremely arrogant or cocky because you can come out off come off like that so people that follow me on social media might get that impression and then in person it's a different story because this is a different form of communication yeah yeah Yeah. so wait wait do you are you okay with that yeah with you being cocky or being perceived as cocky if that's the perception um am i okay with that I guess I have to be because I'm putting out the content, right? Mm-hmm. So, but, I can, it's, but it's like a dry humor. Yeah, it's a it's, it's very sarcastic. Dry. It's a wry, like yeah. Seinfeld. Like, but now, I, now I get it though because when I first met you a few times, you were like, yeah, yeah, and then I was like, yeah, it's fucked up. And like, 
I'm no sorry. conversation. I apologize. Were no, we in the but club? now I yeah, but now mm. I get it because you're kind of an introvert, and that's how I am. Okay, I'm like I say hello, and then to the fucking corner. But I get what you. Well, and I, now I get now I get it. So I apologize if I was no, no, rude. No, it's cool. Okay, that's I get over it. Um, <laughs> look, uh, the podcast that I'm putting out uh, is a good reflection uh, of more me. Mm-hmm. I think I do have that arrogant side, that cocky side that isn't necessary for survival in this business. Because if you don't think that you're good at what you do, then you probably will get eaten, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have that certain uh, drive. And sometimes I might come off like a little bit of an asshole on social media, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I'd rather people say something about me than nothing at all, I guess. Can you add yeah. more funny to the asshole? I will Pause. 100% try to do that. <laughs> Please. The only problem, look. I, I think you'll be better. This is my, uh, and thank you. So uh, that's good, good feedback. <laughs> First I, of all, why are you listening to Jamie? Don't listen to Jamie. Don't listen to Jamie. It's, it's good on, advice. So, <laughs> I'm the youth. My only problem with that is there's, I think that there's a line between being like funny and taken serious and being a jester mm-hmm. and being a clown. So like that, I have difficulty with that, but I'll work on it. Yeah, because yeah. I think people look at you more of a clown if you keep being an asshole. <laughs> if, you, if you're funny, I think you'll get away with it better. Okay. But that's just me, though. Thank yeah, you. Don't that's listen good. to Jamie, man. <laughs> no, no, but that's good. I mean, I asked for advice because you, the, the first thing, you know, the Crooked said was like, there's a lot of people that think you're kind of uptight and abrasive. I'm like, well, help me. I'd love to get better. No, I think that, look, a lot of people think I'm an asshole. And I don't really, I mean, I talk to Neville. Look, like, a lot of people come up to me, say hello to me, and and. Say hello to Neva, and they end up talking to him for fifteen minutes, mm. and then they'll walk away, and then he'll—I'll be like, "What are y'all talking about?" Or like, he'll come up to me like, "Oh, that dude wants to work with us." I'm like, "Well, why did he talk to you? And he didn't <laughs> talk to me. You know what I'm saying?" Yeah. And then for some reason, he's just more approachable. But I don't know what you know. I think there's a yin and yang to everything. Like you know, yeah. I'm, I'm meticulous about shit. I may come off as like. I, I think a lot of people say they don't they don't want to bother me. They feel like if they talk to me, they're bothering me, like because they think I'm like busy. Well, if like, you're I DJing, you are busy, right? Well, even when I'm not, no, even, busy, when, uh, even when I'm not, they think I'm busy. Like I don't have time for this shit. But maybe it could be that New York shit where you just like. Well, I think I there's know. so many DJs. But then you're from New York, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't there's know. so <laughs> many DJs that make themselves approachable while they're DJing, and it may. I don't know. I don't want to say it makes them look like they take care. Of, they're caring about the craft less. But they look like you can go have a shot with them or go have a conversation with them I, while they're DJing. I'm always fascinated. I don't get by that those vibe. Guys. I, I look yeah. at that and I'm like, whoa, dude, that's a lot of time that you're spending doing some other shit instead of exactly. focusing on the next three songs. Exactly. Do you, do you ever get anxiety as the song is ending and they're still in conversation? Not yeah, really. Because I'm like, yeah, I, it's I've like watching that. a train wreck. I'm like, let's see. What this <laughs> let's see how this fucking. There's been like certain times when they're having a conversation and the song is like the last eight bars and I'm about to approach hit the, hit the I'm, I'm just about to approach the turntable and they somehow just turn around and scratch the song in I'm like yo the level of mentality <laughs> the level of mentality to be okay to just throw that next song in do you ever have a that recurring dream that I'm sure everyone well, I think has. I know what you're about to say well, with um you're playing and uh, you you're typing in Serato and you keep misspelling the song and the song's running no. out. And it's all ends that happens. I have that, I have that, I have that dream a lot. Yeah. I, that dream. I thought, I thought that's yo, that's crazy. Like, crazy. Fuck. <laughs> and then there's like dead silence in the club. Yo, that is... And, and it like, keeps oh, going. Shit. I wonder how many people have because I've had that a lot. So what do you think that means? I don't know. I, but it, I it happens like, across <laughs> different fields. So you feel hard police officers. Police officers have recurring dreams that they're shooting their gun and nothing happens she gets jammed up. so they're like nothing's happening 
So oh. we have, it's, I think it, it's like the fear of failure just representing itself in a dream. Mm. That's, that's deep. Because I've had that dream so many times where I'm typing in and I hit delete because I'm spelling the wrong word. Yes. Yeah. Like, like you're trying to get it yeah. and the song's running out and you can't <laughs> and you're like, why am I so stupid? <laughs> and you keep typing, yeah. That's crazy. So, I, I actually had another question. Yeah, but um, wait. First, yeah, tell me how I can get better because you know me more than anyone on the panel. Um, I really no homo. Here we go. Here we go. Finally, some praise. Go ahead. Like, you have a really, really good personality, and when you smile, it's dope. Like, I think uh-huh. people, people like, uh, and, and I think <laughs> Crook is looking at me. Yo, I think, I'm, just, I'm just wondering why I you think, have your hand on his lap. I'm <laughs> looking at his lap. I think yeah, you, I think you guys can't see this, but he, Darren's licking his lips, and he has his hand. On <laughs> this is finally going the way I thought it was going to go. Yeah, man. I think I think when you like smile, it gives off a good energy. Okay. And I, I see it when I when I'm open for you. I see I'm, the vibe I'm working that, it, on it. that it sets. I'm working on it. But like I do. The, the waitresses, they love it. Like you're not a, a bad looking guy by no means. No, oh, thank you. You know, you're in shape. Yeah. So you know, I'm working on it. That's, I'm saying it's like, all this. I crazy. think the final fr- the final frontier. I'm gonna stop you there. The final frontier. <laughs> the, the long. The final frontier. The long hair. The final frontier for me is putting together that last element, which is the happiness. Mm-hmm. So I've got the hard work. I've got the work ethic. I feel like I'm a good technical DJ. I understand the business. The vision now, is good. I just got to tie it all together and add that smile at the end, which is the signature <laughs> on, okay. on the, the product. Okay. Yeah. If I walk in a booth I'm and this dude smiles unnecessarily like- <laughs> at me, I'm going to get freaked the fuck out. And so walk no, out. No, 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 but not to sound like a hater earlier, but I do love the you know the service you're doing with your podcast, how you go technical, technical, technical. Okay. Because that is needed. But and business and business, and business yeah, is crazy. About the, business. the vision is great on your your marketing and stuff like that. So, and you're a good DJ. Thank you. Yeah, you're not my favorite DJ, but I know you're. A Technically, it's trademark, so I am. <laughs> How did you? Why? Why did you? That's a little. Yeah, ask what, yeah, yeah why is my favorite DJ? Uh, so I spelled my when I picked my DJ name. I was 14, and um, I decided to spell it with K's instead of C's. But why conflict? I, because I was 14. It just I, sounded I, I, tough. I would, yeah, and I would watch uh, DJ battle <sighs> videos back then. You know, okay. it, was, it was like hip hop. It was break dancing. It was yeah. like you know. I like the K's. Yes, as do I. But the problem is that it became uh, misspelled a lot. Did it become a conflict? It became a problem uh, <laughs> in a way that uh, <laughs> on the flyers people would spell it wrong. So when it came time for social media, uh-huh. I didn't want to have to explain myself every time somebody asked me for a handle. It's conflict, but it's DJ and then the K instead of the C and then spell it out. To me, that's just too long. The, f- the faster you can get uh, a customer, in, in essence, from the point of, and you would know this, from the point of like entry to a point of sale, the better it is, like the less steps there is, right? You don't want there to be a bunch of different things like, oh, you get, the, you get the piece of clothing and then you scan it and then you look up this and then you look up that, then you go to the register, then you pay for it. No, I just grab it and pay, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted social media to be for me. I just want you to ask me and then a simple answer. Mm. So I don't have to spell shit out for you, just say, my favorite DJ. And now you go and you find it. It could have been any sort of combination of words that would have been easy, but that just to me seemed like a clever way of forcing people to say, hey, at my favorite DJ, what's going on? So like now you, you're forced to call me that. So my favorite DJ came when social media came about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Twitter in 2009. Nice. Yeah. By the way, I want to tell you, I love your edits. Thank you. Yeah. Like- I'll, I'll send out another blast. All right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to but let's talk about the edits and sure. let's talk about uh, 
Disco. Yeah, Disco Disco Tech. Before we get there, I just wanted to ask, I know like when I met you in 2012, um, you were one of the few DJs even now that are still using turntables. Yeah. And I always respected that. Mm. And I wanted to know, what are your thoughts on it now in 2018? Uh, Like, how do you feel about still using turntables primarily? And do you use CDJs? And what's your uh, set of choice? If there's turntables available, that will always be my first choice mm-hmm. uh, because I just feel more comfortable. I'm tighter, cleaner. I, I still feel like there's a bit of a lag with CDJs mm-hmm. where it's not as tight. And, I, and you know, when you fall into that pocket, that veteran's pocket, that's like everything's perfect and, and seamless. I need everything to be tight. And the CDJs sometimes fall a little bit, you know, off, I think. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Um, you know, you actually never really, you sound... You sound cleaner on CDJs. You've been working on it so I've long. Been, yeah, I've been using them a lot recently. Yeah. More than turntables. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think you're one of the few DJs that I've, I've that has a cleaner set on CDJs. I don't know why, though. I don't know. Veteran's pocket. Once you get good at something, it's just like, it's a timing issue. It's just yeah. a matter of getting over the equipment. Home. Yeah, because like we... I mean, I'm I'm not trying to say you you don't know how to do turntables anymore, but you had to like readjust yourself for yeah, turntables. I've been using CDJs so so much, yeah, recently that when I use turntables, it feels a little bit uncomfortable at first. Oh, but interesting, I get back to it. I feel that I feel like I need five to ten minutes to adjust to CDJs every time I use them. Yeah, so yeah. the perfect setup, I think, is the new Pioneer, the Nexus 2, the 4-channel, uh, and two turntables, whether Techniques or the new Pioneer ones, the PLX-1000s, I think. Do you like this the S9? That's the two-channel mixer? With the, the pads? Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Actually, we were just speaking about this and how you were talking about, have you guys updated the OS on your MacBook Pros? Right. Or and, just the MacBook in general? Yeah. Because I haven't updated my MacBook. I haven't even updated my iTunes because I don't know what the fuck they're going to do to right. iTunes next. So, so I don't update it so I can keep Scratch Live. Right. Yeah. So I probably have, I don't know, maybe a two-year-old OS on my fucking yeah. MacBook. I'm still on Yosemite also. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have a, a backup. I have a. I just bought, not too long ago, a 2015, I think, or 2016, the last version before the Retina, uh, the Touch Bars. Dude, I've out. been trying to find another was one. Was it new or was it... Um, it was... Refurbished. It was n- not new, uh, but it had 40 hours on the battery cycle, which mm. means that somebody just like watched three movies on it or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so... Um, it's very, very, very fresh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I have it in storage, and I'm just waiting for my current one to like poop out, yeah. to transition to that one because I think Serato DJ is a bloated program with a bunch of features that we don't need. I don't need the shit to do the work for me. I know how to do the work. Mm-hmm. What I hear, allegedly, was that Serato DJ was built because they couldn't fit a sync button into Scratch Live, so they couldn't update that program to have a sync button to have a sync between the the decks and they wanted to retain a very specific dj to use scratch uh i'm sorry to use serato dj so they rebuilt the whole program around a sync button for that particular retention of that dj it's kind of crazy that's what i is that true that's what i hear i don't know that was from that's that's stupid it was from a serato rep Mm. yeah I mean, how important is that sync button that nah, you need to rebuild the whole program? If you I mean, learn for, how to for DJ. New, for new DJs that don't really know how to DJ. That's just kind of dumb to me. Yeah. The sync button. I don't know how. To, I mean, shit. I've never it, used. Yeah, I don't. You I never used DJ? Serato DJ? I, I used it like. Very rarely. I had to just use, recently. I had to use it because I used. I, 
you know what? I actually used the S9 for the first time in, in uh, Portland. It's nice, right? It's Man, it's a little weird. Just because... Uh, it was different. The effects and the gains and everything are in different places, and it's yeah. like a scratch mixer. So I was like, you know, my cues, the cues were different. So I was hitting, I was reaching for cues that weren't there. Mm. And uh, I, I went, did, I, I did like the pads. Pause. I had the same <laughs> problems also. What's, I wasn't wrong, with, yeah. to What's it. wrong with pads? I like the pads. I don't know. Like oh. a <laughs> maxi pad? Oh. The knee pads? <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Yeah, I mean. No. I get it. I think it's dope. I'm I'm not a scratch dude. I'm not like I don't want to do routines and shit. So for me, mm. I I really am just focused on like party rocking and selection. So I thought the S9 was unnecessary, and, and I feel the same way about like Serato DJ. I think there's a lot of shit in there that's dope. And then when I see the dudes use it, like guys who know what the fuck they're doing using it, I think it's outstanding. And I, for me, I just think it's too much. You know, conflict. Do you get interested in those new Rain twelve hundreds? The 12s? so I, I've seen two or three videos on them, and one of them was the platter spinning at like eight hundred miles an hour, and the dude was like, "Yo, Rain, this is not cool." Um, I haven't tested them yet, so I don't know what they feel like. I'm always interested in uh, in the evolution of the actual um, tech, uh, the equipment that we use. Mm-hmm. But from what I've found, Pioneer always makes better gear than rain i think the only thing that rain has nailed in the last couple of years has been uh scratch live uh, their mixers just don't sound as good to me as the pioneer uh mixers do yeah so i'm gonna guess that that's probably gonna extend into the rain 12s mm. you like the pioneer uh turntables i don't hate them but i think yeah. that they're the best next best thing to techniques yeah that are from like the 80s and 90s at this point all over the everywhere we play on these techniques they're old as hell it there's a speed up reaction on them. Yeah, the, on the, the rain, on the oh, pioneers. The pioneers. And I haven't gotten it. Fucks up my mixes when you try to when you slow the dish down. Mm. The dish reacts on the pioneers mm. and starts to speed up. Isn't oh. that, I noticed that on uh, when I first played on those turntables, and I thought, damn, I'm so ingrained on 1200s. Right. You mm-hmm. you learn this like weird tactile thing with these turntables where you know exactly how much uh, pressure pressure to yeah. put on something and like push something, and you know. Like, I'm sure this happens to you guys that if something's off by like a couple BPM, mm-hmm. you just move the pitch without even thinking to mm-hmm. a certain place. And right, it's like right. you're already there with techniques because you know how far In to go. In a certain amount of yeah. hundreds of seconds, yeah. like yeah. it's going to reach that. Yeah. And with the Pioneer. It's different. It's different. It's just that that slight difference. I, I've talked to other motherfuckers and they're like, I don't know you're talking about. You're crazy. And I'm like, no, there is an acceleration, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a reaction to the uh-huh. dish. Like it knows you're putting pressure and on it. And I think it's it's to the point where the heavier the hand is on the dish or if you're scratching, the dish still re- stays in 33 and a third. So th- it doesn't slow down I at all. I think the motor's not as strong on the Pioneer than it is on the Techniques. Is that what you... Is I, that I think, what, but there's an acceleration. So I'm thinking there was a reaction where it's like whenever there's a certain amount of weight that's on the dish, it's got to speed up so it could get it back oh, I see what you're into the rotation of whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? I think you have to like recalibrate. Well, you don't have to, but I think there's a recalibration of the slip mats and the, the weight on the needle and the vinyl. Like everything's different. Mm-hmm. We're so used to the techniques, turntables, and how much pressure and, and, and speed to change and all that stuff that when you're on a whole new turntable, even though it looks the same, everything's different. So you have to recalibrate all that shit to, to find your pocket. It really is the most perfect piece of machinery like 1200s yeah 12 yeah. i mean 1210s to me are oh, the best too. 
Sure. Like yeah. the, when you can go to plus 16. I'm going to be honest oh, yeah. with you. What's yeah. the difference between 12 and 1210? Like, oh, 1210, you can go to plus 16. Yeah. But other than that, it's basically the same. Same shit. Yeah. I would think so. Mm-hmm. But that plus 16 helps like a motherfucker sometimes. It does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it just helps me. I love that. Like a motherfucker. Yeah, if the 1200s had that, I mean, fuck. I mean, I mean, have it. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, that's, that's a perfect piece of machinery right there. Yeah. Um, actually, I want to go into the production. Yeah. Uh, how did you link up with Joe? Joe and I worked together in Miami for four or five years. Oh, wait. Let me intro this right. Yeah. You're one half of Discotech right. with Joe Maz. Right. Um, you guys have been making remixes and edits for a long fucking time. Right. right. So s- separately, we've been making edits uh, for a while. What we did is we linked up maybe about three and a half, four years ago at this point, And we started making... We made a run for it towards the tail end of the EDM bubble, um, basically trying to get you know more. What else can we do to amplify our careers? What else can we do to, to, to go out there? And uh, we were going to start our own group, and then uh, Joe checked with the original members of Discotech, who are Danny Days and Gigamesh, uh, and they uh, said, just use the Discotech name. So we put out our, our work as Discotech for you know, a good year and a half, two years. We did a tour of Asia. Then I had some stuff come up, and when I took a, a moment to like look back and reflect on everything that was going on, I was like, yo, we've put in a lot of work into this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is way, way, way harder. There's so much hours. Like I would, every day that I was in, in, in Miami, I'd go to Joe's house for four to 10 hours. It was for 18 months. And then when I wasn't there, I was, I was working on the road. And from all of that, we just got like, a small Asia tour. We'd get paid for some of these remixes. The majority of them were paid, but I didn't see enough movement and traction. Do you regret using that name and not using your own name? Like uh, The only reason why I would have a partial regret is because... Um, uh, you continued a we, legacy that wasn't necessarily yours. We didn't, yeah. That's one thing. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't my thing. And like I didn't, we didn't push it to, I think, the furthest that we could have gone. Like I had stuff come up and we had to like take a break for, for a while. So then Joe just immediately shifted into putting out uh, remixes in his name, Joe Ma's remix. Mm-hmm. So if anything, I feel like I might've hindered a year of him being able to do it. Right. Uh, and I took over, you know, a piece of something that wasn't necessarily mine, even though we did put out some remixes. Uh, but I looked at it, the music business to me is like hitting a bullseye with a dart at a, at a hundred yards. It's like, it's possible to do that. You can throw a dart 100 yards and maybe hit a bullseye. How much time do you have and how many darts do you have, right? Some people get lucky and throw one dart, bam, they nail it with their first song. Incredibly difficult to do, very unlikely, right? For most of us, or most people in the music business, they will throw darts their whole lives and never hit a bullseye. Mm -hmm. And they just spent all this money on darts and all this time on throwing them and they never hit nothing. Not even near the board, right? So I looked at it like that and I was like, I love to DJ. I like to make music. And that was what was the defining thing for me after a while of reflection. Like, I love to play it. I like to make it. And so I couldn't spend more time doing that. See, I would assume or I would, uh, I would, I would think someone as introverted as you and cerebral as you would rather do studio. I didn't see the upside. There wasn't enough money for my time. And it, is there um, the performance aspect of DJing? What does that help with you? Does that 
counter the introvert in you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So if it, it allows me to be uh, in a room with a bunch of people and loud music and a lot of things going on, but I'm in control, which makes it okay. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it getting is. in your brain right now. Yeah, Pause. Like, hey, <laughs> you can keep coming. I mean, hey, you can keep coming. Hey, <laughs> the the hey, reason, the reason why I do it, I think I've like really analyzed it, is because it, it gives me external validation. So, like, when I do a good job and I, and I make people have a good time, I get validation. It's instant. Mm-hmm. It's like boom, play the song you like in the right moment. Everyone's happy. I'm like, ah, that's a hit. Right. You get you know a little bit of dopamine, and then. Afterwards, the managers come up and you, yo, you killed it, great job, boom, that's a hit, it's dopamine. Mm-hmm. So it's like external validation for what I'm doing is like what drives why I do it. Yeah, and you don't necessarily get that with studio production or not anything. at all. Yeah, not until the, the, you know you happen to land that bullseye at a hundred yards, and they're like, you're gonna play our festival. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't see that happening for a lot of people anymore. Yeah. In general. I mean, you guys, what you guys were doing with Discotech for a while was like, you guys were just killing it. Oh, we were yeah. cranking out remixes yeah. like crazy. So everything that came out, the, the thing is we were, we were selecting songs that we knew were going to pop. I was on, uh, on radio in Miami, so I knew what the, the radio sheets were like, what, the, what they were expecting, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew that. And then like just having an ear for, for music, we're like, we got to take this one and remix it. So then by the time that song was blowing up, boom, discotheque remix lands. And right. you're like, oh, shit, here's a playable version of it. You guys are picking the right songs, too. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have a question, though. Yeah. And we, what made you guys, what was the, the thinking or the motivation to take another name? And to, and Instead to, of being Joe Maz in Conflict yeah. remix, there was a, it was an established name already that had some. They had a, a Facebook page already. Yeah, <laughs> there was a SoundCloud already. <laughs> whose whose idea was that? Or whose it was, was it was that? Joe's that had to have Joe's blessing and and uh, Danny Days's blessing and G- Gigamesh's blessing because that was they were the original group, mm-hmm. and they would put out edits on Crook and Clan and, and all this stuff and they put out original production and shit like that. Um, so it was Joe's idea. So my. <laughs> Oh man, I just remembered my idea, and it's terrible. But my, what was your idea? My idea was to be called the White Ties. I was thinking J.K. The White Ties. The White Ties. Yeah. So like we have this dope, like a necktie. Yeah, like a necktie. <laughs> so we have a dope promo shoot where it's like half my face mm-hmm. and half Joe's face, and we're wearing white ties. And I'm like, yo, that's perfect. It would just be the White Ties. Hand out white ties to the people in in, in the audience. That's actually not <laughs> bad. Have them put on a white tie. That's actually not you bad. You know, and like fling around ties in, in in the audience. It reminds me of what the that rock band Hives. Mm-hmm. What they, they, they throw what out they bees? Yeah. No, the hives. They had that one song, that one hit. I know the song, but what they do? What did they do? They had everyone was in uh, black shirts and white ties. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that's what uh, I. Th- that's what I wanted. That would have been good. I, I, but then he's like, "Yo, let's just use discotheque. Everything's already registered, and I own the the blah blah blah." I'm like, "Yeah, let's go. Cool. Let's go." Y'all trying yeah. to get the quick bag a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, that's that wasn't <laughs> time to at fifty Look, yards. I'm gonna revert to the beginning of the podcast. Anything that puts me in front of more people in more places is something I'm gonna do for my career. And I thought that that would be it. Mm-hmm. And it did help a little bit, but I don't think that it it did enough. Yeah, yeah. With the amount of time that you put into that shit, I, I think I think it would have been it would have been nice to for you guys to have a name, your own name, and mm-hmm. to know that you guys did it. A different, answer. you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there was. An initial confusion. Maybe uh, when the remixes were coming out, and they're like, "Yeah, that's conflict." And we're like, what? Like yeah. it is? And it was just like that. And but Joe loves it, right? Like he loves production. Joe's yeah, he's still doing it. I mean, Joe's yeah. probably one of the best. Yeah, I, I think top five. Um, you know, you guys had a conversation 
with another DJ about Joe. Joe's a real good open format DJ. Um, and he uh, he cut his teeth on open format, basically. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be that he also produces shit. So he hears things with an open format ear and then kind of like makes it more playable uh, for the nightclub space. At the same time, what that's doing is he's uh, trying to bridge a gap between what we do and record labels and or festivals that would be interested in a DJ that can play that kind of music. So I think that the whole idea behind um, his production is just more. What more can I do to augment my brand? What more can I put out there for people to consume? And what more um, can I add to the space to be a, a, a positive factor in, the, in, in what we do? There was a question earlier on your Instagram live. And I hate that I'm referring to a question that was on your Instagram live, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, it was talking about produ- production and yeah. being a producer yeah. versus being a DJ. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, something uh, like that. If you were to look at Joe Maz, yeah. would you call him a producer first and a DJ second? No. You would call him a DJ first? I would call him as close to 50-50 as you can get. As close. What would you put yourself in? Obviously, Me? more of a DJ than Me? a producer. Yeah, ninety-five percent DJ, five percent producer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Joe didn't hold my hand through all that producing shit, like right. I was an ideas guy. He was the technical guy. I was like, what if we do this and we do that? You know, and once in a while, I'd write a melody or write something in there. But I made the majority of uh, my contributions were, you know, helping because Joe was Joe's the the wizard at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you were just putting whatever DJ. Uh, instincts like instincts for like tools of like yeah like Everything. this would help if we did this so i would sometimes a pick a song and be like this is going to be the next hot one because radio so then i'd throw that one and be like all right can we get an acapella somehow and then i would try to use some uh of my avenues to get acapellas and some of joe's avenues to get a potential contract to do a remix officially yeah, yeah. so we didn't waste time and then mm-hmm. make money off of it uh and then it'd be like what kind of feeling are we going for you know when you have uh m- more people to bounce around ideas you kind of get a better uh idea of which direction to go in whereas if it's just one person you only get your own internal feedback so it's like i'm gonna make a um a sexy beach remix for this song right so like that, that's not the real the, the real feeling of the song we should probably go this way a little darker maybe some more mel- uh, melodies in there more harmonic or pianos or you know just a different idea mm-hmm. and then you start bouncing back and forth and we have you know 10 15 years collectively uh or rather individually collectively it's like 30 years in this space so we would bounce around ideas with each other and then get to a final product as a team yeah Sounds exhausting. It is. <laughs> it is. A lot of work. A lot of work. It was a lot of work, yeah. So you don't miss any of it at all? I, I mean, I'm, I miss hanging out with Joe on a regular basis and making music. I think yeah, the yeah. Create, creative uh, outlet is dope, but there's just no upside to it, in my opinion. Uh, unless a label handpicks you and goes, you're our guy, you're our champion, you're our person, you're our horse, basically, that we're putting all these marketing dollars behind, mm-hmm. I don't think you will find success. I think it's it's infinitely difficult now, more so than it used to be, because now people just get cluttered with a bunch of messages from every direction. Listen to this, buy that, come here, go there. And it's like, to, even if you have a good product, you're getting superseded by okay products that have millions of dollars of marketing and budget behind them. So there'll be no more discotheque. I, I <laughs> never say never. Well, hopefully they'll have... It yeah, be the white ties. <laughs> if you see the white ties in any of your uh, streaming pr- platforms, I'm not mad at that. That's a good yeah. branding. Like you could do easily yeah, cool, do a huh? good branding. Thank you. Yeah, like even on a, like a like a 
like a flyer, like yes. two white ties. That would look good. So that was. Then I get. I guess yeah. might be something to that. Wasn't such a bad idea. Well, you, you guys yeah, can all. Cool. You can steal it now because it's out there, and I haven't patented anything. Oh no, you can trademark. 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 That's all. That's all yours. I guess I like marketing for that reason because I like resonating with people on an easy to understand level. That's what I think marketing is. But you're not easy to understand. Oh. Well, hopefully the message I put out there is. Huh? Hopefully the message I put out there is. The white ties is easy to understand. I see, see like, I don't know, man. I, you know, I see. Like, Just be honest. Tell me things. No, no, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad. Okay. I, I'm saying my perception of you. I don't think you do anything wrong marketing. I think earlier I said, I don't, I think sometimes what you do in marketing, and I think you can be more yourself. And I think the, your complexity and maybe some of your uh what do you call it idiosyncrasies what, idiosyncrasies i think that is more interesting to me and i'm more interested in that and i think it's that is more that is more relatable to me mm. and it's a better better marketing uh strategy than what you think is the perception of what the what a crowd wants to see mm. from you does that make sense yeah i understand completely but th I, thankfully, you already follow me on social media. I do. So I don't have to go after your, your vote. Unfollow him. You know what I'm Unfollow him. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody unfollow like, Until you start doing it, you know, how I'm, I think you should. I'm, <laughs> I'm after all the votes of people that don't care about what we do. Yeah. Like sometimes you got to be a little bit loud. Sometimes you have to be a little abrasive, a little aggressive to, to get the attention of people that might not be looking in your general direction. I think the truth, and I think the brutal truth is way more interesting to me mm. and I, I always think that when you see a ta like someone talented or successful mm. going through the same struggles as you or anybody else mm. like a bad a shitty hotel room mix, missing a flight me posting a video of me fucking up a mix mm. on ig stories yeah. or something i think that to me and and dj's laughing at me and being like oh my god like he fucks up too like he's not just posting shit or me fucking up like i think there was a couple of ig stories where i would post me mumbling on the mic or fucking up what i say on the mic or something like that you know and to me i think that's funny and i don't necessarily be like oh well i'm gonna market it out i'm just gonna be like yo that's funny and i bet everyone's gonna fucking laugh at that i gotta sh i gotta show this stupid mm. moment of mine i think to me you're technically creatively and you know what you do in a club it's already sound I think you're you're always gonna do you're gonna you're gonna kill it. You're always gonna put 110. percent But I think, I think you showing some of your flaws and just showing everything that's real, I think that's gonna pull people more people in, and 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 connect with you a little bit more. For example, there was a tweet you did a few days ago. You said I, I remember one night I said on the mic, <laughs> "It's Friday night, the, uh, and the week the weekend starts now." But it was Thursday. I've never recovered from that. I think that shit was hilarious, and that was relatable. So that's what I think. I understand what you're saying. I mean, to be honest, you don't have to listen to a fucking word we're saying. I mean, I think it's very gracious of you to even be on a, on this platform and say, <laughs> guys, critique me and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Ballsy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that, and that in itself, I think, is a great open aspect of you. And I think that in itself may uh, maybe more, I don't know. 
it, it maybe more relatable. I, I no, I think it maybe shows more a likability of who Except you are mm. than the cocky dry humor. Uh, but I think the cocky dry humor is hilarious. Funny, so yeah. You so got to do that. So soften the cocky dry humor. No, with, but you got to balance it out with yeah. some of your like your idiosyncrasies or something like that. I you know, I love the the even the the DJ videos you be putting up on Instagram mm-hmm. when you like makes and shit like wordplay. I was like, that's just dope. I, I oh, remember there was a who did a video someone did a video of this flawless set and then you, when you swipe to the next video it showed how many times he fucked up mm. oh yeah and I thought that was like more interesting to me because it's like whoa it took him that many times like and yeah. then you start respecting the video more like yo mm. this dude literally spent hours and fucking hours on For this, this shit. one minute video <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and, and you you start it, it, there's there's like a sense that like a I don't know, like a level plane where it's like, yo, like I'm showing you this. Yeah, yeah I understand. What you know saying. what I mean? In, I think in my head, the reason why I stay away from that is because I feel like everyone eats shit. You know, like everyone, you have moments in time where your life isn't going exactly how you want it to go. So you have moments where you get a flat tire or you don't get the job or you get fired or they ran out of the bakery, the pie that you wanted to go get, right? Pause. No? no. Okay. No, I'm, I'm, real, I'm, new, a, I'm new here. That's so, a real life fat boy so, <laughs> problem sometimes. So why, you know, why augment that? To me, social media is more of a release. I understand what you're saying from a marketing standpoint. It makes a lot of sense. The more real the content that you're putting out, the more relatable and the more people will understand and accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I will work on that because I want to be the best me I can be. Mm-hmm. That's why I bring that up. You know, if, and I would ask that of anybody that I respect if, if they hear this or they see me and there's something that comes off the wrong way, for sure, let me know. Because I, I don't want to be anything except the best person I can be all around. Mm-hmm. Not just the best DJ, but like the best human. So if, if I say hi to you and you're like, oh man, like he just, you know, just like completely uh, ignored me afterwards. I, I want to know that that happened so I can fix it and I can get better. Are you, are you okay with people thinking you're an asshole? Yeah. You are. Yeah, because the door is always open for them to talk to me. But, but then you're also very open to, to criticism. criticism. Yeah. It's interesting. So, uh, I, look, your perception of me yeah. is going to be built in your head, right? Mm-hmm. So I can maybe influence that slightly. So if you have a problem with me for any reason and you think I'm an asshole, then just let me know. And be like, yo, when you did this, it made you seem like an asshole. Do you, you know, is that really what you want to put out there or this made me feel a certain way about x y or z you know anything like that just start a conversation and then we can talk about it um i think that we in general have a problem we have so many different avenues of communication available to us but we we tend to not communicate right so i'm okay with people thinking that i'm an asshole because the door is always open for them to talk to me if they want to and they can get to know the real me which is i guess what you're seeing now mm-hmm. um which I hopefully I'm not coming off as an asshole. No, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering, like, because uh, I mean, do you, are you guys okay with people thinking you're an asshole? I'm okay with that. Doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm fully. Sometimes cool it might be necessary. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So I always I always go back to that DJ Vice episode when he said he was a people pleaser. I'm about to say you can't please everyone. So. That's another thing. You can't. So there might be people that, that come up to you and say, hey, I didn't like when you did this. And then you filter that through your head and you're like, well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So that could also happen too. something that I did that you think makes me an asshole. Then you come up to me and you're like, yo, when you did this, you seem like an asshole. I'll be like, I don't think so. Okay. We're going to end up disagreeing. So there's nothing I can do about that. And I'm not going to change to appease you at that point. Like I'm not going to bend over. But if you say, look, you were a dick when you said this. Uh, now I have a concrete piece of evidence to maybe work on and be like, I'll filter my thoughts and my words better next time. 
Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't think you're an asshole. Thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure a lot of other people do. Though. That's okay. <laughs> Probably the same for me, so. Uh, <laughs> if they're out there, they can always, you know, send me a message and we can talk about it. <laughs> on his, uh, m- at my favorite DJ. Right. On all across the board. Yeah, I want to talk about my favorite DJ. I think you're at a point where you could do DJ conflict. Not going to happen. No? no? You like that brand, that, that it, AKA? It's not going to happen. Uh, it's just, it's already ingrained. It's already built. It's just, it's trademarked, even though conflict is trademarked also. Um it's already there. Coca-Cola is not changing their name. Coca-Cola is like, I think it's time for us to be called the sweet can of sugar. No, but the conflict is Coca-Cola. Yeah, conflict is Coca-Cola. It's like... Uh, yeah, like, okay, conflict's like Nike. My favorite DJ just Isn't T.I. like Trouble Man 31 or something? And games like L.A. Confidential and 2 Chains is like some other shit? Hair, we- hair, we- hair, hair Weave Killer. Part because someone took the yeah, name and right. they, they don't know no, how to get it back. I, I get the f- my favorite DJ because my... My friends be like, they refer you like that. I'm like, okay, it's complicated. <laughs> sure. Shouts to Paradise. I get annoyed because when I had to search his name, I had to be like, what, what the fuck is it? And then I'm like, oh, it's fucking. <laughs> I would type in your favorite DJ. Mm. And then I was like, oh, how my often, favorite how DJ. How often are you searching for my stuff? I don't know. Recently, before no. we, were, we were prepping for this uh, episode. Yeah. And I got annoyed. So that's why I was like, <laughs> I think he's okay for DJ conflict. <laughs> but it could have just been for my search. My for search, your fucking for my search, search yeah. thing for the, my research for this you episode. You want to go the extra mile? Take my <laughs> that is crazy. That is really lazy. You should change your name so next time I look for you, it's easier. <laughs> no, for but I think, but I think, I think you're at a point where like DJ conflict. I think it's not gonna know, happen. No, it's no. like Nike, and then just do it. Just do it. Sure. Just, just do it. Is my it has, it, it's part of the branding because it's too difficult to to spell. Like in Hollywood, if you have a weird last name, they make you change it. It's, it's just how we operate in the yeah. entertainment space. Jamie Foxx, is, yeah, he changed his name because of that. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> his real name is not Jamie Foxx. What uh, is it? It's something else. It's like way I something. What it oh, is. you closed the Google. Oh. It's oh. like something like way the fuck. Yeah, it's side. A, it's D, is there any, it's not even close is there any to topics that uh, we didn't address? Oh, um, just briefly, I wanted to like discuss. I never asked you about uh, Red Bull 3 style and yeah. your involvement with that. Yeah, I, I did the battle, I think, in 2015. Uh-huh. I made it to the national finals. Uh, well, what city was it in? The, the finals were in L.A. Oh, okay. We played, I think, at Lure. Is it like real big space? L-U-E-R? Yeah. Yeah, Lure. Yeah. Uh, so you won the L.A. one? No, no, no. I didn't win the national. Who, who you Which telling? one did you win? Who you so regional? The, the, the way that the battles were structured then is different from now. They were local, regional, and then national. And then you went to world. So you won local and regional. Yeah. And then I got the national. What was local? Miami? Local was Miami. Regional was all of the southeast. South. Mm. And then national was the whole, the whole country. So who are you so battling? So the national, the national was in LA. Yeah. National was in LA. Who yeah. was your competitors? In the national? Yeah. Uh, it was Scene, Trentino, uh, a DJ from Philly that I don't remember, and A-Rock from Orlando, and then me. Who won? Scene? Trentino. Trentino? Yeah. Really, that was a tough one. Yeah, that was a real tough one. I I I found myself not being able to switch gears into that into that head. So like when you're battling, it's a different uh, brain that you need than it is at the club. Mm-hmm. At the club, it's different, uh, and I feel like I'm my my brain is already calibrated to the club, and to recalibrate for a battle is is almost impossible for me, and I don't get pleasure from it. The, the moment that I knew that battling wasn't for me was actually at the LA Finals. 
Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was going to win. I, I knew it was going to be either Trentino or Scene. And I thought that it was going to be Trentino the whole time because I had never really heard Scene. But Scene did a fucking magnificent set that night. It was incredible. He knew the room. When I was playing, you have a 15-minute set where you basically have your shit tightened up and every second counts and you go from one thing to another you know and you do your your set i had one trap song in the entire set i didn't know that that was going to work so well 2015 the second i hit that song the whole crowd starts bouncing and that was the first time that i saw a lot of motion and i was like if i was playing at a club now i'm playing 15 minutes of this shit but i already have my set and i know that the song's ending and i felt really sad (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. i was like not only am i losing but now now i look like a sucker because the one time that i actually play something that works i have to get out of it because i have a, a, a timed set that ends on a certain note so that's why from that point on i was like this is really not for me because i'm more i'm cool with the the technical ability and mm-hmm. i'm not the best in the world at that but i think it's better applied or my talent is better applied when i'm playing music for people to have fun to rather than showing off what i can do respects yeah did you uh, i never really see anyone dancing at those fucking competitions it's only like standing <laughs> yeah. and they're just standing jumping up and yeah down it, de- it depends on depends on a lot of things it's a very odd uh well i don't think it's an odd competition but i think it's i don't know it's entirely an odd competition look at how you're judged you're judged based on how good of a crowd rocker you are but you have a 15 minute premeditated set and you're coming in cold without without knowing what crowd you're playing for it mm-hmm. makes no sense <laughs> it makes no sense you're judged upon the thing that you're supposed to be judged on but you're not even doing it's it it's weird because it's a DMC but it's not a, it's D- not a they DMC. don't want you to be a DMC it's not a DMC yeah. so you're not gonna get a, a, a title or you're not gonna win if you're just the best technically but then it's like you're supposed to play for the crowd but you don't know the crowd and you're playing in a different city it just doesn't make a I whole lot of sense I feel really bad for like the dudes competing sometimes because yeah. I feel the anxiety and oh the, my god and it the, was terrible and need and when they get on the mic like the, the <laughs> like come on <laughs> get your hands up and the crowd's like oh, okay and that, then you know what i mean like they're just really was trying super, so hard super stressful yeah how long was your set 15 15 minutes Damn. long 15 minutes. ass 15 minutes it's wow. a it, it, it's it's either too short or not long enough depending on how you look at it because if we're judging the caliber of a dj it's like if, if i were to do a battle like that i'd probably split it up so it'd be like a month battle, right? So you have one DJ every Friday or every Saturday playing, and then you get judged upon it the whole night, not just 15 minutes. That's kind of I wonder, yeah. though. That's a good... I really wonder if the technical aspect was out of it, if it was possible. I think it's... Oh, what do you mean? Like if it was just... just party like rocking? Quick party mixing, rocking? Like just just quick party mixing. rocking, quick mixing. Another thing, that the, the DJing's, I'm sorry, the, the, the judging is flawed because you get 10, per, 10 points for crowd participation, right? Let's say that you play a great set. Technically, you have great selection, great creativity. The crowd is okay into it. And then the local DJ comes on and has uh, an okay set, not so good creativity, not so good selection, but everyone's jamming. As a judge, the energy in the room has to affect you, even mm-hmm. if it's just by a point or two. Yeah, There's a little bit of an influence that goes in there if everyone's rocking with this one dude, who, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's killing it, look at the room. Now you, your judging score changes a little bit. Uh, I would like to hope, or I would like to, to think that the judging stays impartial and that they don't allow that effect to affect them, but they're human. So a, a bump in the energy is going to change that score, even if it's just a little bit. Yeah. Like that, that's what Momo was saying, right? When he did it, 
Like yeah. he just knew the room and he just played the right tracks and people were going crazy. And I think it might have affected it positively in his direction. I love that he said he didn't prepare a set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just went on he and just it. played a bunch of shit. Did he win? He won, he won that, that. He won that, that local, that yeah. local yeah. joint. It was yeah, Brooklyn. Local one. I thought yeah. about doing that. I thought about going in cold, like just no, no set. But the, did I think that would be a really refreshing and interesting way to go in. Pause, like literally, <laughs> just, just literally, like free ball it. Look at the crowd and be like, I know what to play, and just like quick mix, yeah. and then work the mic a little bit. Pause. I don't. I don't think you're allowed. Well, not not that you're not allowed, but I don't think anyone works the mic that way. Like you're not like party rocking, party rocking. You can't. You can't use. The I don't mic. know if you can or can't, but I didn't see anyone that I can remember like doing the Kid Capri while they play. I don't. I think that would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. I would like to see that shit. Yeah. I'd like to try. It Either way, once. they cut yeah, budget, but on a lower budget. Like the, I don't know, like a lower scale. All the prizes went down. So the year that I did it, it was five thousand for local, ten thousand for regional, and I think twenty five or fifty for national. Oh shit! How I much didn't even was know money was involved. Sorry. How much is the global one? Like I think a hundred. It was oh. either twenty five national and then fifty for the world, or fifty national. So what's the, world. What's the money now? now? <laughs> it's like quarters of that. Really? Oh, yeah. Man. So then I did it again. I think in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, and obscene. What made you want to do it again? Quick check. Huh? A quick check. What does that mean? Money. 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 Quick check. Quick check. Quick check, yeah. Oh. So I signed up and I was like, oh, I'll make another five grand off this shit and just call it a day, right? Um, which was problem number one. Uh, <laughs> then I found out they cut the money. And then I found out that if I went in with that attitude, I was going to get my ass whooped, which I did. Well, DJ Obscene was another DJ on, on my roster who actually went in there without thinking that. He's already thinking about the national title. So I went in like, yo, I'm just going to make a check. And he went in, yo, I'm going to get this accolade trophy on my wall and he demolished everyone and i didn't get paid <laughs> oh really yeah got washed yeah because i didn't i think i got third i think it was 500 bucks for like third place or something like that they're like fuck you well, jamie fox's name is uh <laughs> 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 eric marlin bishop i told you something off the wall what the fuck for him professionally yeah. <laughs> known as jamie fox I feel like that he shit changed would, his name because I feel like that shit would never happen because that sounded no. like a girl's name. So I don't know some shit along th those lines. That he I don't got think that shit like would ever you, happen. If now. your Instagram was Korean Blow, yeah, I think that's kind of dope. Yeah, that is kind of dope. You, you would have you would have an easy way of people finding you. Korean Blow. Then DJ Crooked. Yeah, I see. We all like get it. AKAs. I kind of like it. The you, know, you know, people were uh, just register they, that Instagram insulted. now. They, I'm not allowed to like use the. Cocaine. I have a Korean blow. I have a Korean blow drop. And they they don't want me to even use that. Dude, that's like the sickest drop ever. No, it's <laughs> like I had I had a club out here that to, oh yeah to use that Korean. Told, I was there with you. When he told yeah, me. yeah, was it that or the cocaine? It was both of them. Oh. They said I said, well, I won't do the cocaine. They're like, well, both. You can't use either one. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cocaine. yeah. None. I I didn't use that because Korean blow. Uh, it was like too edgy. Okay. Now it is inflammatory, flagrant. Yeah, you I should, mean, you should still register. I'm it. gonna come up with a fucking AKA. Jamie the Great's good enough, I think. Yeah, that, yeah but you I kind of want another one. Is that your Instagram, Jamie the Great? Yeah, no, you should, you that's should, everything. That's easy to remember. No, because it'd be like T H E. Oh no, it's D A. So, oh, yeah, that's not yeah. so easy to remember. Yeah, conflict see? conflict is questioning your marketing now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember start listening to a podcast where you put the marketing <laughs> title. I'm like, all right, let me take some notes. Yeah. I'm still on the fence with my favorite DJ. Okay. I get it. 
I get it. That's you know. when you put it into perspective of Korean yeah, yeah, blow, yeah, yeah. then that kind of like yeah, because that would go with Korean blow. It's confusing it's to me. Korean blow? No, my favorite DJ. Oh. It was confusing to me when I first heard about it. When people uh, were like, uh, "Yo, this this kid in Miami is popping," and I was like, "DJ Conflict," and be like, "Yeah," and I would like, I think we would like talk about you because mm-hmm. you were talented, and then we couldn't find you. Mm-hmm. And then someone was like, "Oh, it's, I think it's a different thing." Well, if you look at DJ Conflict on Instagram, how would you spell it? K-O- I mean, I think we we knew it was with a K. C O N F L I C T. I think we knew it was. I knew it was with a K. Okay, so if you do the first. If you do the first one, um, if you spell it the right way, does my favorite DJ come up? Anyway? You get this. You get somebody else. This one like two hundred. What does that say? But did, did you have a K with the before the T? Yeah. Oh. This is part of the problem. But, but what? You, but you allow this to happen <laughs> because you didn't You're fucking you didn't you didn't take read this. it out loud. Oh, this is you. Read it. Please follow my favorite DJ. That is my current account. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wow, you're young here, huh? <laughs> is that a cover? Is like, a while use, ago. Can we use that as a cover? Look at this arrogant motherfucker in his, in his throne. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see. In his throne? You cocky son of a bitch. <laughs> Let me see. Okay, this is going to be the cover for, uh, for the podcast. That's, it's an old picture. I, I have other ones where I look just as cocky. That are no, newer. No, that one's cool. Uh, and the then throne? if you look up the yeah, other that, way, that picture literally looks like, uh, like if you look at the other way to spell before my name. his plane crashed. What does that say? Before conflicts plane crashed in the no, island page, and oh, he I had to survive doing. for like five years on his Here's own. Here's another one. Yeah, the he's other sp- the he, other the other way you spell it, it's the same shit. This is your marketing. This is like capture. This yeah. is cornering everything. So I gotta go find the T H E for the great. I want to know who your two followers are on this account. <laughs> it's like him? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know who it is. That's funny. Uh, who are the two followers on? Oh, oh, nice. A DJ and a club. <laughs> Wait, so the, the right way to spell it is K-O-N-F-L-I-C-T. K-T. It is K-T. It's K-T. This is the problem, yes? I mean, I got it tattooed for a reason. So now when I check in the hotels and people are like, what's your name? And I'm like, it could be under my real name. And then they're like, no, we got nothing. I'm like, mm, can you check? And it's always... But, that, but that's every DJ's name. What? Like, never. Like, that must confuse a lot of motherfuckers. It does. Yeah. D-Miles a little bit. No. Yeah. My favorite DJ is pretty easy to understand. I guess. So everyone should get an AKA. You got to be that name where you make a motherfucker spell it right. My favorite DJ. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, is there anything else we gotta talk about? I think we're good, right? You want yeah, anything man. you want to touch on, Paul? Uh, plug in. Uh, are you still part of that um, company that does uh, websites? Yeah. I actually- so I have a piece of a company that does um, flyers and uh, DJ calendars and just overall uh, DJ related related uh, graphic design. And that's uh, called Make It Now Media. Is that your background? Is that your background? No. No? No. Oh. That's uh, Make It Now Media. Um, you can check them out on Instagram. That's what I would recommend, or makeitnowmedia.com if you want to look at that. Uh, I would recommend them for quick jobs, things you need quick turnarounds for. When a, a designer is tied up with a bunch of other shit and you want something like tomorrow or the day after, uh, you can hit them up and it's affordable. It's quick designs and shit that you can get done on the fly if necessary. Then there's another one called Miami Design House 
which is more for the big projects. Like if you have a big website or you have a, a large um, EPK that you want to put together uh, to present to nightclub owners or bookers, and that's MiamiDesignHouse.com. And then my podcast is My Favorite DJ. You just go and search for that. <laughs> on, Soon to be the DJ Conflict on, podcast. On the podcast app, uh, if you're on uh, iTunes, uh, you can just look up My Favorite DJ and also on Spotify, My Favorite DJ, and it should come right up. I got a question. Yeah. You're on Spotify, right? Yeah. Did you? Shh. Not too loud, but go ahead. Why? <laughs> no, <'cause you're, laughs> go ahead. Man. Why? Why? Uh, I mean, you shushed me. I'm going to shush. No, well, no, no, no. Why? No. Why? Because <laughs> I, I'm afraid you're going to bring up something that might get me in trouble. No, oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Um. We're did you sign? Did you sign up directly with Spotify, so, or did you use an I, offsite? Uh, I upload my podcasts to Simplecast.com. Simplecast. Yeah. So they have um, a lot of the metrics that I mention on the podcast when I'm like, "Oh, we got a listener from this city." Shout out to blah blah blah, wherever. Mm-hmm. Right. So it shows a map where everyone's listening. It shows uh, the statistics of what podcast did what download on what day, like the top ten, et cetera, et cetera, all that. Right. Yeah. So through them, you can. Uh, fill out a little form through Simplecast and then they talk to Spotify directly. So mm. like it was almost hands off for me. I just filled out that form and then like a day later they're like, congratulations, you're on Spotify. Okay, because uh, we, we, were lo- we were researching and Spotify was like fucking $120 a month or something. It was something crazy. How much is Simplecast? I think I pay like $15 a month. That's great. And Unlimited it, uh, storage? It, yeah. And the it, only problem is it, it um, brings down the quality of the audio to 128 kbps. <sighs> So if that's a deal breaker for you, it's not a go. But the way that I see it is people consume this on uh, headphones a lot of the times, and it's not getting played on club speakers really loud. So mm. that that uh, compression of the audio is not going to be the worst thing in the world. And does that link with, uh, with iTunes and everything? Everything. Simplecast, mm. I upload onto there, and it goes out to everywhere. I think it's called that through the RSS feed, something yeah, like that. Yeah, RSS feed. Uh, yeah. So you I'm don't like, use SoundCloud at all? Nah, fuck SoundCloud. Whoa, okay. Spicy? <laughs> Wait, why, why, why? <laughs> because they're, they built their platform off of DJs, and then they said, you can't upload shit, and then they said, you can't upload shit, and then they said, no, you got to strike for uploading shit, and they just, a terrible business model that started off with the right idea, and they just ran that company into the ground. What about Mixcloud? You use Mixcloud? I do use Mixcloud because it's catered to DJs. Okay. So anything that, that like we can use in our space and that represents us in the best way possible and has our best interest in mind, I will forever fuck with. But SoundCloud at one point was like, you can upload mixes now. And then they were like, no, no, just kidding. No, you can't. JK. Yeah. So And then it was like you built your, your entire business is built on the DJ's back and you're telling us what we can and can't do. I get it. Record labels were going out your throat, but... Shit was foul when they were deleting motherfuckers' mixes. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So shit was foul. <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing is also that you can get whitelisted because we like with Discotech, we got whitelisted on SoundCloud. What does that mean? It means you you contact a record label and the record label contacts SoundCloud and they're like, yeah, this is good, and they leave it up, and you don't get a copyright or a trademark strike based on what you're uploading. So you can get whitelisted, which all of the big DJs that are putting up mixes and shit that they don't own are whitelisted. That's why they don't get a, a copyright strike and they don't get their accounts taken away. But then the little guy like us that's putting out mixes to try to boost our brand, we can't get whitelisted. So then they kick us off their platform. That's mm-hmm. why I said fuck SoundCloud. Spicy. Shit. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> AO Conflict, thank you so much for coming through. Appreciate it, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Knowledge. I mean, yo, great to have you. And, uh, Thanks. And, uh, yo, that's it. If I'm ever coming off as an asshole on social media, will you guys let me know? No. Absolutely. I'll Never. definitely Never. hit you up. <laughs> I'll be like, yo, my man. Just easy, let me know. Easy. 
<laughs> Easy with I'm that. not saying I'm going to change it, but I just no, want to no. know. I'll let you know. Thank you. Why are you listening to Jamie? Yo? I don't it's know how the, listen. I don't know how the hierarchy works. I don't know who I'm supposed to listen to. It's a start of a new friendship here. Keeping it honest, all you're doing is opening the floodgates to have your comments filled with "Yo, this is an asshole yeah. moment." Asshole, asshole, good. Asshole. And it's, you know what that is? That's, that's an, engagement. That's engagement. Yeah. It's an impression. Analytics it's are going up. Interaction. That's right. Now I respect that. Oh my goodness. All right, man. Thank you, man. All right, Thank you guys. Me.